Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. All right. Th- thanks. So that's an awesome story. Uh, just real quick, as you're talking, and this is what kind of last time we all just kind of fire questions at each other. I'm curious, like, how much of your business is beauty? Like, how percentage-wise would you say are, are beauty products or sales, whatever you want to give us? Uh, 95%. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to be our beauty expert. <laughs> no, I am. I can't be. I am. Go ahead. I got ungated in uh, – you know, a couple of different things, sunglasses, shoes, handbags. And, you know, I kind of walked through some of that with you guys and the challenges I've had there. And I'll tell you what, my biggest mistake was investing in these stupid handbags and shoes that are all over my living room right now. It was the dumbest thing I've ever done. So please, no one buy liquidated shoes and handbags. <laughs> so but really, you, you didn't find that to be a good way to go? It, it's the worst business decision that I've made because literally I got handbags that I was told were going to be able to resell on Amazon um, that have straps falling off, that have stitches falling off, that zippers don't work, and are have pen marks all over them, and credit cards fell out of one of them. I mean, it's just one of them smells like smoke. And I have almost 300 handbags, and I have 200 pairs of shoes in my living room, and we live in a two-bedroom apartment. So it's uh, pretty intense here right now, and I'm just like, what What was I thinking? I think maybe I just got excited that uh, here I was approved, and I think I bought into the promises of the people that were kind of selling me on this, and uh, so there we are. That's Good. awesome. That's, uh, that's an awesome business. So, I mean, real quick, if you're comfortable sharing numbers, we all shared um, kind of our sales numbers you mind sharing like where you were at in December yeah December I did 31,500 awesome that's great yeah wow thanks and again that was you know probably 90% beauty yeah that's huge so do you plan on diversifying I mean so I just you know this kind of plays in I guess the next question we're talking about do you plan on like talk about Q1 and goals you have do you want to and just in general do you want to stay in beauty? Do you want to diversify? I'm sure, I'm sure you can stay in beauty and diversify that way too, but what's your plan? Well, that is a great question. Um, I know we've talked about this online, um, some, but part of what the trend that I'm seeing in beauty is that they are gating up those brands like crazy, and I'm very invested in one brand in particular, and man, if, that, if I get kicked out of that brand, I'm screwed. So, so in terms of diversifying, I do see the importance of diversifying, and I had hoped to do that with shoes and handbags. So those are just diversifying on eBay right now. Um, but I, I'm concerned that these brands are going to make you go through an authorization process, and I've tried that now with one of the brands that has have been very successful with me, and I can't get in touch with anyone. 
So I'm going to still try and go down that rabbit trail. Um, but, yeah, one of the brands I, I had bought for um, December did very, very well, and then I got a notice that I could no longer sell that brand after February 15th. So, um, so I think that that's like my concern coming up in, in beauty is that they're going to start considering different brands, luxury brands, and they're going to make everybody else some Maybelline and L'Oreal and Revlon. So, um, and those are not money makers. So, you know, yeah, I'm going to have to diversify. Erica, I had a question for you, um, I, and I actually have a lot of questions for you because I just <laughs> got ungated last night. So, um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty ready to get into beauty about the brands that are being gated. Um, I know that certain brands, and maybe I'm, I might say a, a brand that's wrong because I know nothing about makeup. I've never worn it in my life. Um, <laughs> brands like Moroccan Mud, I think, is one. Is that are, are the brands that you see getting gated? Are they um, salon only brands? Um, no. No. Okay. I no, and I think you know if you were going to consider them salon only, maybe you might say like department store only as well. Um, but they are the higher end brands that are getting gated. Um, so for, so I'll tell you for example, I just got. The brand I was referring to earlier was Crabtree and um, Evelyn, which is a brand out of Europe. And um, I had gone to their outlets, gotten great deals, and sold at massive profits. And that's when they told me you can no longer sell. And that's a brand that is only carried online by Nordstrom. They have a couple of boutiques and then a couple of outlets. That's it. So, um, so, so that was an example of one that I was like, what? And then... Um, like Butter London is a nail polish company. Don't ever sell nail polish because you have to you have to sell it out of your house. You can't sell it. You can't send it in. Um, I learned that the hard way as well. But that was gated. Um, so they are the higher end, like luxury brands that are getting gated, which is um, disappointing because there's a lot of money in them. So, but I'll so, tell you what. Um, there, if you were to look at, at like the parent company of Estee Lauder, um, and then look at everything that Estee Lauder owns. Um, pretty much everything under Estee Lauder is is ungated right now, and they they own they own most of the beauty department in Nordstrom. Oh, huh. okay. So 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 if you so if it's gated, uh, if a, if a certain luxury brand in beauty is gated, that includes for merchant fulfilled, not just for um, FBA. Correct. Wow. Yeah, so what I did is I actually have been in contact with Amazon, and I said, I would like a list of everything that you have that I can't sell for cosmetics, right? And they said, well, we do not have a list that exists, so here's what happens. You need to go through that, that cosmetic company or that brand or whatnot. You need to get authorized to be a seller, and then they have to white label you with Amazon. So, Erica, are these... Uh, are these companies that are, are, are they like just, uh, I'm, sure, I'm assuming they're gating everybody and they're not allowing anybody to sell, or could you actually go to some of these larger companies and say, hey, I'm, I do this much environment on Amazon, you know, this is my business, I'm not a fly-by-night person. Can you actually, in some of these brands, can you get, is it possible, or are they just pretty much shutting everybody out just to take the market for themselves? Well, I think part of it is being exclusive. And, you know, these higher-end brands especially love, 
you know, the fact that they can be exclusive. And I think that if the perception is that Amazon is turning into an eBay environment with so many sellers, um, I think that that hits a little bit harder for them because they are very egotistical. <laughs> so um, if you've had any contact with anyone in cosmetics, it's all about the ego and, and luxury and that sort of thing. So um, so I think that it's, it's a, a real ego thing, you know, to think, oh, you know, anyone who saw our brand on Amazon, they're very snobby. So I think that it's, it's about the ego. It's about the reputation of the brand, you know. Like, for, for example, I'll tell you that I worked for Dior for a very short period of time. And I don't, I, I can't remember if they're on or not. I haven't tried to sell with them on FBA, but um, everything was, oh, we're so exclusive, we're Dior. Oh, we're so exclusive, we're only in this many stores in Washington State. And just like on and on bragging about themselves. And that is just so typical of a lot of these cosmetic companies. So my fear is that I'm going to go to the brand that I'm selling the most in and they're going to say, oh, wait, you know, we could be doing this ourselves. Why are we allowing you to do this? So that's where I'm at. That is a scary, scary thought. Um, another question, quick question for you. Where are you sourcing these beauty products from? I know you mentioned outlet stores. Is it mostly retail? I mean, is it, I, I'm assuming you're not <laughs> wholesaling these, right? Um, no, I've not bought anything wholesale for beauty. Um, I am shopping outlets and I, um, have several friends in the Nordstrom world because, you know, we're Amazon and Nordstrom are big up here, right? In Seattle. So, um, I have several friends that will call me and say, Hey, this just got marked down or, Hey, I knew you had your eye on this. I have several people that I have great relationships with that will just let me know this got marked down or this one's being discontinued. And if you can get your hands on discontinued products, that's the element of my business that I was talking about that, um, you know, there could be this lady who's been wearing XYZ lipstick for the past 25 years and she won't change. Well, Estee Lauder decides we're not going to sell XYZ lipstick anymore, but women still really, really want the lipstick and they will pay anything to get it. So, um I had a lipstick like that that I was selling about six months ago that I can't find anymore, but um, I was buying it at an outlet for like $5, and I was selling it for 50 because I knew that women would really, really want this lipstick and would pay anything to get it. So, so yeah, outlets online. Um, I did a lot of online arbitrage for uh, the holiday season and, and my connections and outlets. So. Erica, I have a question for you, um, something that I've run into when looking at beauty products. When you pick up a beauty product, let's say a lipstick, and you scan the product, does – so, like, um, what's a brand of lipstick? Like, what is a lipstick line? I don't even know lipstick. Um, Estee Lauder. Okay. So I pick up an Estee Lauder. What's a, a specific type of lipstick? Like, don't they have, like, a – Red. Oh, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> Beyond the here's my question: If I pick up an Estee Lauder lipstick and I mm -hmm. scan it, would the red and the purple have the same UPC? No. Okay. 
does each color in your experience have its own UPC or they, they yes. share UPCs? Oh, okay. No. No. And in fact, um, there are brands that sell in different countries and um, for for whatever reason, like one of the brands I, well, you know, all these brands are international. So sometimes to liquidate or, you know, put them in their outlets, they'll start collecting them back from Canada or, you know, Europe or Mexico or wherever. And I will find that for the same product, um, let's say like a powder that I sell, it'll all be two grams. It'll all be in the same pa- exact packaging, but the UPCs will be different. So I will sometimes with cosmetics have to plunk in the exact name, formula of lipstick, and exact name of lipstick or powder to get that to come up on Amazon because there could be several different um that maybe just one UPC with several different listings. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's what happens a lot because, like I said, they sell in many different countries and they all have different UPCs. So my my advice on that would be to actually put in very exactly, you know, Estee Lauder Full Rouge Lipstick in Red like the okay. very exact name that it is, to get that. And then you need to make sure that you ha- you're you matching up the ounces. So it could be 0.05 ounces or it could be 0.15. So you make sure that it's the exact same thing. And then you'll have people that, I hope this doesn't come across as offensive to anyone, but the stupid people that put in the wrong listing just because they want the UPC to work for their product, right? <laughs> So you need to double check that. And we all know what I'm talking about, right? Um, You need to make sure that you're putting in the right thing because I've made the mistake before where someone has just taken that UPC and made it a double pack. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, now what do I do? Because I only have one of this rouge lipstick, right? Yeah. So you need to check it really carefully. Or it's something that's come in a... Um, gift with purchase with it, which is a very common thing where women will buy a certain amount or men, you know, buy a certain amount of cosmetic and then they get this free gift. Well, a lot of, you know, eBayers or even Amazon people will resell that, um, that gift because it will have tons of items that are, have a value in it and they don't care what UPC they're using. They'll just use whatever, you know, might come up under that color and then they'll change the description or the ounces or whatever to meet their needs. So you need to be really careful about about that sort of thing because it could be a travel size that they're selling, but you could be selling the full size, you know? Okay. That is really fascinating. I think that makeup and uh, beauty is really um, – I'm really excited to get into it. Yeah, and, and you know, I think one of you brought up um, the Moroccan mud. Um, be careful when you get into, like – hair products, because a lot of hair products, I, I bought so I bought a huge thing of KMS uh, because KMS hair products that had many different things, all had great rankings. Well, I could only send in half of them, and the other ones, I had to keep at home, and I've not sold one, <laughs> despite them having great rankings. So, um, because they had hazmated that half of them. So, you got to be careful with that because sometimes you don't find out that you can't send it in until you've already started down the progress of your workflow, right? Erica, get this. I sent in uh, like 40 of an item. 
started selling them. I bought four cases of it, started selling them, sold like 30 of them in like a week. So I go back to the store, I buy 100 more, okay, because they're selling. I mean, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I get home, I go to make the listing, and they're like, oh, hey, these are now hazmat. And they made me pay to mail them back to myself. And then I have all of these hundred, there's fresh strips, and I have like a hundred and something of them sitting around yeah. in bags in my house, and I can't return them. Yeah, and they're so, not selling, right? No, of course not. The the yes. sales rank dropped on them drastically. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, I did that with uh, I some teeth whitening products. Uh, I found just a fantastic deal on these that I was making a killing on, and I bought 50, and then I was like, hey, I sold you know, whatever many in a week. I need to get my hands on some more. And, and I couldn't send them in, but I'm like, okay, I'm making such good money on it. They are selling. So I went back and got another 100, and literally they're in my closet right now. <laughs> I'm not selling any of them. I'm like, oh, no. So that and teeth whitening pens. So. So that's stuff go. where you guys could take those products and sell them, like, I mean, eBay, is there any restrictions? Like, does any of those brand restrictions? I mean, I, I've, I've run into that, actually, with products that I've, uh, what did I buy? Um, I bought, right when I was new in FBA, I actually bought some cameras, some Canon cameras on eBay, because they had a great price of, like, 150 bucks, two of them, like, my first two weeks in the FBA. And, of course, I sent them into Amazon, then when I sent them in, I realized that, you know, they're restri- Canon is a restricted brand. And so I had to go back to eBay, sell them the next, take a loss on them. But regardless, can you – are those, any of those restrictions here on eBay, or is that kind of like for free reign then? No, you can sell anything on eBay. Yeah. So the point is that you can't that, – that we know that customers buy SBA um, products because they get that prime shipping, right? So our customer base is already built in. But they see the MF, and they're not going – they just aren't going to buy from, you know, Merchant Fulfilled, is my opinion, you know? Wait, wait, I'm I'm actually, I, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, I'm actually going to post on our wall right now a, a website called msds.com that if you get to that restricted product issue, you can put in the UPC of the product into this website and it'll give you this material safety data sheet which is what mm-hmm. Amazon looks for, and it's all right there. It's so easy. Okay. That so that, maybe yeah, save me some money. <laughs> yeah, it's free, and the, they everybody submits to it. They have 4.5 million MSDSs. I've tried hmm. to do it before, and I've never been successful, but I've tried. Hmm. Okay, that's a good resource. Thank you. All right, Erica, real quick, thanks for sharing so far. Um, real quick, what is a, qu- a goal for you for, you know, first quarter of, of this year uh, that do you want to hit? Well, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel a little bit lost right now because this whole shoe and handbag thing <laughs> just turned me upside down. I have so much money invested in it. So uh, I can't put a, a dollar goal on it right now, but I just want them gone from my house. <laughs> so I would be happy if I just sold shoes, sold off the shoes, handbags, and teeth whitening products. Like I would be, I would be so happy, and I would probably make a little bit of money. <laughs> but it's hard coming from you know 
selling 30,000 and I had sold over 20,000 in November to go to January now. And I'm like, okay, is it that my sales are depleted? Is it that it's January? I'm taking, you know, really expensive, heavy returns right now. And um, so I'm sorry, I don't have a number for you because I feel very overwhelmed and I kind of just don't know what to do with all these different factors. So except for, say, uh, the tangible of getting rid of those items. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's a, that's a good – I mean, there's money in that, so it's a, it's a good thing to, yeah. to do. And I and I definitely feel where you're um, – I definitely know where you're coming from being overwhelmed. I, I just feel – I know I've talked to, to Ben a little bit about this too, but I, I had a lot of – I feel like a lot of administrative stuff personally yeah. at the end of the year and starting this year and things I wanted to do. And literally, like, and my sales haven't been that great. And it's just been like kind of depressing, like, like I, you know, and coming off that Q4, you just gotta kind of get back on the horse and start sourcing and start shipping. So, um, yeah. So no, thanks, Erica, for sharing everything. That was awesome to get a little bit about you. And um, yeah, thank you. Something that uh, we found last time is that, and obviously continues with you, is that every member of the group has like a little niche and a little uh, something they're kind of good at and especially and obviously yours is, is beauty so you will be our resident uh, beauty expert, <laughs> which is exciting so awesome um, that's exciting so um, real quick I think we had did Matt were you able to join us I see Central Florida in here I was yes alright how you doing Matt good glad to finally right. uh, you know, jump on here yeah happy to have you in the group and uh, happy to have you on here so I know we got Matt and Ben um, who will be telling us a little about uh, what they're doing. So, um, Ben, if you want to go, we'll, we'll get to you, Matt. I just want to make sure you're on there. Um, no worries. But, uh, yeah, Ben, if, if you, if you want to take a minute, just tell us a little about your your business and, and uh, yourself and, you know, what, uh, what you want to do in Q1. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks, Erica, for giving us all that information. And actually, I do have a couple more questions, but I'll probably just uh, ask you them later because <laughs> everyone's asked you quite a few questions already. Um, but so getting back to me, uh, I, we, I started uh, our company in July of 2014. Uh, I work with three partners, um, and we started in media, so mostly used books, uh, CDs, DVDs, and stuff like that, just a very easy category to get into. Uh, and then as the Q4 you know, inched closer, we kind of transitioned into toys. And the progression for us was pretty natural. You know, we did media, and then we would, um, then we did like uh, liquidation stores, like uh, Tuesday mornings and Ross and whatnot, you know, buying the one-offs. And then we transitioned to buying sales and clearance from uh, box stores, uh, and then then just kind of buying like uh, stuff that was selling for over retail pricing. So right now, one of uh, we're most comfortable in toys, uh, and um, we did forty four thousand uh, in December. Wow. Uh, most toys. Yeah, it was it was mostly toys. We just bought carts and carts of toys, but awesome. you know. I'm sure you guys all know uh, this, this, this trend is not going to continue into Q1 and, and so forth. So uh, a lot of it is just trying to find um, new ways to find inventory. And a project that I've been working on, I've, I've shared this with uh, Ryan already, 
And we've we've kind of talked about it in the group is is doing uh, building a web scraper, and I've actually had a little bit of success uh, have getting a working prototype for uh, for two stores so far, and that's kind of where I'm going to be going for um, 2015. It's just kind of working on the web scraper and kind of like focusing on toys. So how Erica is specializing in beauty, I'm kind of going to try and specialize in toys for now uh, and then maybe get back onto the media boat um, and then branch off from there. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, and and uh, what was I going to ask you, Ben? Uh, so would you say, you said your 44000 was just in toys, is that correct? Uh, that was total. Probably like 90 90 to 95% toys. Oh wow. Okay. So what's yeah. your um I mean I know I I guess I I know you and I have talked about it one on one, but what's um I so I kinda know for the benefit of the group, what kind of categories do you want to get into going forward into and this probably plays into your goal a little bit, but going forward into Q one. Not that toys aren't still you know, um you still can't do toys, but obviously they're not gonna be as great of a seller as they were in Q4. So what kind of products or categories do you want to get into this year? Um, you know, I've I've been kind of tossing around between grocery, uh, beauty, and health, and uh, personal care, and I really haven't figured out what's best. But, you know, after brainstorming a little bit today, I think I might kind of just stick with toys for at least the first part of Q1 and see... Uh, how profitable a model is because I, I mean it's got to be profitable, right? You got giant toy companies like Toyberg and stuff like that selling only toys. So that I mean that model alone should take me pretty far. Uh, and the fact that I have pricing data right now and that I am actually finding quite a few uh, items that are selling well, I think I'm just going to stick to toys for a little bit and then maybe just jump back into media because um, have any of you guys. Uh, seen Greg Murphy post? No. Are you guys familiar of who he is? Oh, yeah, the book guy. Yeah, Greg Murphy, yeah. the book guy. Yeah, he has a million-dollar business in just books. Now, I'm not looking to do a million just in books, but, you know, it could also become a pretty sizable portion of the business. So uh, I think toys and, and media are the route I'm going. And I think the other thing with media is I just – there's nothing to worry about. You know, it's been along for a long time. There's really no restrictions or anything like that. You know, as long as you can find a source, you're, you're going to have something that sells. So, um, If you're interested in in diversifying, um, look at a guy named Scott Mayo on Facebook. Are you familiar at all with him? No, I haven't heard of him. Okay. He is uh, – Sean Mayo, I'm sorry, is his name. Um He's grocery. He's out of Florida. I don't know where um, I'm friends with him. I'll tell you exactly where he is. But he said that there is huge Tampa, Florida. He says that there is huge liquidation grocery stores down there. That, like, he has um, employees. Like, they're buying vans and truckloads of food to, like, they can't buy enough. Like, they, they can't get it out fast enough. In Florida? Florida. Oh, well, I'm in California, though. Oh, Road I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were in Central Florida, not Central California. No, that's uh, Matt, man. No, that might be for Matt, then. <laughs> okay, sorry. 
Yeah. No, I mean, like, part of, uh, right now I'm focusing really on, on just, like, retail box stores. I know there's a lot of, like, uh, smaller niche stores that I can kind of pull pricing data for, but, like, some of the questions I have for Erica is, like, have you, you know, and you don't have to answer this right now, have you had any success, you know, sourcing from, like, the box stores? Um, and then is it, you know, are the brands restricted to, or are the good sellers restricted to, you know, namely the, the bigger brands and how many big brands are there and stuff like that? So, like, I mean, I have questions like that for all the categories, and the excluding toys. So I think there's a lot of research on my part if I want to jump into another category. Hey, Ben, yeah, I've, got a, I've got a question for you wait. actually on toys. Do you, um, are you going to, do you think moving forward uh, Q1 and, and beyond, or at least certainly before Q4 starts again later this year, do you see the business model for toys different? Um, that is to say, you're going to be trying to buy things, uh, liquidation, clearance, maybe even wholesale, and resell on Amazon at just regular retail prices, or do you still think there are above retail uh, prices opportunities in arbitrage for toys specifically throughout no, the year? I, I think there are actually opportunities throughout the year. Um, I, you know, honestly, I can't say for sure, but uh, the pricing data that I have is just showing me that there's opportunities everywhere you look because, like, I'm sure you guys know, like, um, everyone has their own sales rank, you know, like uh, criteria. And, you know, I think anything under, like, 100,000 sells pretty well. Um, so if you're thinking, like, just the top 100,000 uh, selling, best-selling toys, that's a lot of, you know, stuff out there. So I think there are there is bound to be stuff that are going to be selling for over retail. The question is how you're going to be able to find it. And I think, and obviously toys sell all year round. So, um, like, so, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's a concern. I think that I'll, I'll still have a steady amount of inventory that I can buy and easily get enough inventory from just, like, one or two sources. Do you mind if I jump in real quick about a comment on uh, rankings? Um I wanted to jump in real quick. So I'm I'm sorry to I'm not trying to steal your thunder, but I wanted to let you guys know to in beauty, like rankings are not like they are in other categories because you can have that odd product that someone's been searching forever for. And if you find fifty of them, they'll be gone, you know, in fifteen seconds, right? But it may not have a great ranking because no one's been able to find it and actually put it on Amazon. So when you're looking at beauty, rankings are, I would say, not quite as important as they would be in toys. So I just wanted to put that out there real quick since you had touched on it. Yeah, and that's actually a good point. That's that's the other issue I have with, like, getting into another category. Like, I, I was kind of getting ahead of myself because I was thinking, I'm going to ungate all these categories. I'm going to learn how to sell them, and I'm just going to, you know, go and buy everything. But I think part of the problem is, like, trying to and get all these categories, learning them is going to take a substantial amount of time, at least if you really want to be profitable in it. So, hope, you know, I, that's why I'm kind of just specializing in toys for now, because uh, that's just kind of where my comfort zone is. Um, but one thing that I've actually been doing is that I've been using uh, FBA Toolkit a lot. 
uh, a lot more. I've been using the price analyzer, and it tells you how many uh, sell in a 30-day, uh, how many sell on average in 30 days, and how many sold in the past month or something like that. So I'm finding that data fairly useful. Where is that on? What is that from? Is it from uh, FBA? If the website's called FBA Toolkit, um, and then okay. if you go there, you can put in the UPC, and then it'll run it through its system and kind of tell you oh. that. Okay, yeah, so great. That accurate, because I don't. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. I don't actually find it very accurate at all. I think they just have a preset algorithm that they put in to set – this is just speculation here. Um, I think they have a set algorithm they put into it based on how many of that um, – or how many are available in that category and what the rank is and just a kind of a blind estimation of how many sell. I think they get really lucky that yeah. – a lot of the mid-range items are pretty accurate, like that 30 to 75K area tend to be accurate because, um, you know, nobody can doubt whether it sells, you know, three a day or four a day. Um, but overall, I kind of, I don't really use it that much. It's much more valuable from January to October maybe than it would be anywhere near Christmas time, in my yeah. opinion. Here's the thing that I did, um, and I think that Erica hit the nail on the head with the beauty products, and I have a couple products that I've purchased where there's been no FBA sellers. It had an awful rank. I put it up, and it sold out, like, instantly. Mm -hmm. and it was a soap dispenser. It was a Lysol no-touch soap dispenser. They're long discontinued. Mm -hmm. You can buy them at liquidation for 5 bucks. They're, like, 25 to $35 on Amazon. And the rank, according to FBA Toolkit, I should sell like two a month, and I'm selling them two or three a day. So I I don't know. So but yeah, stuff seen, like that's a little bit. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say I mean, that's a great point. Have you seen? Uh, so obviously those rank, the rank then they'll pick. So I guess they're just looking at the store data, right? I mean the, the rank since then is the rank change in the numbers on the FBA Toolkit change to reflect the price that the sales on you're seeing or no? Even when yeah. I've, well, even when I've actually had a product where it's been in stock, um, because I thought FBA Toolkit, I was like, this is such a great tool. Why don't I, you know, I could make like a little app for it or something like that or port it to a browser. And I thought I could just use it every day. And then I was so disappointed when I would like have a product because usually I go 10, 20, 50 deep in a product when I can. So I have a pretty good indication of how many will sell in a month. So if I put something up for 30 days, and in 30 days I sell 10 of them, and FBA Toolkit sells, tells me I should sell 50 of them, I'm really disappointed, you know? Well, okay, this is the, this is the way I'm using it, and I, you know, I can't confirm whether this information is accurate or not, uh, but I actually run it through their price analyzer. Uh, I don't input the quantity or... I don't input the sales rank into the first page where they have all the graphs and stuff because that just gives you uh, – I don't know what that information is, but when I run it through the analyzer, I have a list here that tells me how many sell on a 30-day average, and then it also tells me how many sold uh, per month. So, for example, I have two of them that has a 30-day average of 17, and one of them says I show sold 500 per month, and another – the other one says 514. So either they're tracking the data or you know, 
you mean, I mean, it's obviously, if it's, if it's um, there's an algorithm, then it should be the same number, not a different number. And then here's a bunch that says uh, the last 30-day average is 3. So last month, it sold 75, 99, 96, 76, 81, 80, 82. So those are all different numbers for the same 30-day average. So, well, I'm going to have to try it then. I mean, maybe that maybe I'm just using it wrong. Um, yeah, so like I said, I, I honestly don't know where the numbers come from, but I, I'm assuming that they track it otherwise. I have no clue how they come up with these numbers. I basically just look on camel, 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 and if I see it go up, the uptick, I go for it. Yeah, I do that too, but I just... Like, uh, I do it this way because of all the data I have. I want to be able to sort it, so that's why I use the toolkit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, awesome. Uh, great great discussion, guys. Uh, real quick, let's have uh, Ben, I mean, real, uh, finishing you up. Any, I mean, definitive goals you have for Q1 that you want to, I know you kind of kind of already mentioned, you know, continuing your toys, maybe get back in the media, but anything... Uh, quantitative that you want to throw out there as a goal for the group? Um, quantitative, probably at least, hopefully this month, because I didn't prepare for it very well, at least half of what it did last year, or last month. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. And then, all right, we'll move on to uh, Matt, the newest member of the group, although he didn't, you know, didn't miss too much there. Um, but uh, Matt, you want to tell us a little about yourself, your business, and um, what you want to do in Q1? Sure. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm fairly new to to FDA, quite frankly. Um, I uh, I actually used to sell on eBay back in the day, um, uh, back from. Uh, about 2004 to 2008, I sold on eBay um, with a power seller and was doing really well, but uh, they started changing their fee structure um, to a point that uh, the way that I was selling, it was not, I was just working harder to make them uh, rich. Um, so I moved back into, um, you know, as my dad would call it, a real job. Um, and, and, and I did that and I've done that, uh, you know, but obviously between 2008, uh, and today, uh, the economy's been a roller coaster and a half, um, and jobs have been really unreliable, quite frankly. Uh, it's been really frustrating for me, um, you know, going through that, um, and my, uh, I got my brother-in-law into eBay um, before I got out, um, and he transitioned over to Amazon. And he keeps saying, you know, asking me when I'm going to get into it, when I'm going to get into it. And um, the the job I was at, I, I could tell um, things were not going well. So I said, you know what, I better uh, have an exit strategy. Um, so I decided to sign up for FBA yeah, and, and you know do that kind of on the side, uh, just to kind of uh, figure it out. Um, and, you know, have something kind of in the wings uh, in case I needed it. And uh, about six weeks after I started FBA, I was laid off. Um, wow. <laughs> so, um, and, and at that point I said, you know what, 
um, here's my sign. I'm just going to go full time, um, and and that's what I've done. I I, I started FBA in September, um, and it's you know been my full time gig since then. Um, certainly been been a whirlwind, and and really my uh, biggest challenge um, has been cash flow um, with a two week payout. Um, it's tough to what I call churn money, um, you know, without, you know, having a huge bankroll on the front end. Um, basically, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm spending and then waiting to get paid again. Um, so that's really my biggest frustration. I, I, I think that I kind of understand, you know, kind of ins and outs, um, simply from what I've done before. Yeah, to me, it's um, what I was doing on eBay before. Um, you know, without having to do all the work, but I actually, you know, doing all the, you know, packing, shipping, um, all that kind of stuff back in the day. And so this takes all of that out of the picture versus preparing it to go into Amazon. I'm not having to do the fulfillment. Um, so it's, you know, you're, you're just doing the fun work on the, you know, the research and, you know, gathering it and sending it in. Um, but, uh, you know, not, not being able to buy stuff is, has been super frustrating for me. Um, so um, that's where I'm at. I, I, I've, uh, w- when I got in, the first thing that I did um, when I when I signed up was um, my brother-in-law um, actually paid somebody to help him get un- ungated in shoes, um, and I thought that was crazy um, that he was going to pay somebody to to ungate him, and so. I kind of, you know, um, you know, made it my my goal to um, get ungated as much as possible. Um, so if I came across something, I could sell it, um, and it wasn't going to be a roadblock for me because, um, you know, it's frustrating enough not having the money, but it'd be even more frustrating to find something that could be profitable uh, to find out I can't sell it because um, I'm not ungated. Um, so. Really, what I've done is I've gone through and uh, I ungated really almost anything and everything that I thought I could possibly sell in um, during my first uh, month to six weeks. Um, and you know, Health and Beauty, um, obviously, with the Health Beauty and Grocery were the, were the first ones to ungate. I actually ungated those my second week in FBA, um, and then I did. You know, watches, uh, sunglasses, handbags, uh, clothing, shoes. Um, yeah, just today I did with um, some help from uh, uh, members of our group. I uh, got into uh, jewelry, um, and the the only other one that I'm looking to possibly get into is um, sex wellness because I really think that. Um, there's opportunity there, and uh, there's a lot of people that aren't comfortable being in that category. Um, but uh, w- w- one of the biggest things that I'm looking to get into is uh, diversifying what I'm doing with some private labeling. Um, so that way I'm not solely um, banking on somebody else's brand. Um, you know, I can you know bank on my own. And on top of that, you're also always going to buy a box which is huge because um, that's going to really dictate what your numbers on a product's going to be, you know, month over month. Um, if it's yours 
and you always know the box, it really boils down to where you fall rank-wise. Um, and there's, you know, marketing efforts you can do to, to help that um, if you choose to, as long as you have a quality product. Um, so my, my two biggest things right now are uh, toys and grocery. Um, I've personally gone very heavy in the grocery because everyone's got to eat. Um, so I figured that would be a great place to um, have some really solid replenishables um, because obviously uh, there's you know great ways to make money, but um, when you're having difficulty turning cash, you need to have um, a, a, some stability as well. So um, I'm doing about you know uh, in December about a third of my sales was grocery, a third was toys, and a third was kind of everything else. And I did uh, 30 grand in December. Congratulations. So, thank you. Awesome. Well, and, that, and um, I know, and, and I know, Matt. Uh, and, and real quick, do you prefer Matt or Matthew? Uh, I've been called both. <laughs> I've been called worse too. <laughs> 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 all right, so. all right, all right, well, I'll just call you Matt if you don't mind this. But uh, um, I, I know, you know, as a father myself, I know you've got. I mean, you being laid off, how many weeks, you know, you said a few weeks in the FBA, and then you've got, I think you said, what, three or four kids, correct? I got, I got four. I got four boys. Wow. So that's, wow. yeah, I mean, that's definitely, uh, <laughs> um, I can't, you know, and that, that definitely, I mean, I, I see you're saying with cash flow, right? you got to pay yourself something to help put food on the table for your family and uh, yeah. grow, grow your business. And I, I remember, you know, I, I, most of us really knew the FBA probably a year or less or so. Um, but myself even like that was the biggest part is kind of ramping up into the first few months was even that me not taking any money out of the business, just, just putting the money back in. You know, I was, I was definitely putting money on a credit card, but, um, still right. you, you can only do that. So, so big. So I'm curious, have you looked at, you know, there's, there's services out there, like there's cabbage, there's Amazon. I know has a, uh, a loan or line of credit advance system, but I think you have to be invited to that one. For what I've heard, have you looked into any of those for cash flow purposes? I'm just curious. You, you have thoughts. to be. You have to. You have to um, be qualified. Because actually, you know, uh, what, what I've learned, you know, going through the qualification process, uh, getting into categories is it never hurts to ask. Um, you know, kind of um, the 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 first category, the first big category, I try to jump into is shoes. Um, and I, um, between my flat file and my photos, um, I probably went through 12 revisions uh, during the process. Um, and it was a great learning curve for me because it really made all the other categories that much easier to get into. Because um, really they're all kind of the same, uh, the, the process. Um, but, you know, kind of with Amazon, it's be polite um, and don't be afraid to ask. Um, and, and so every time that you know I've got somebody on the phone, I've asked them uh, if they can pay my if they can change my pay um, because you know my my brother-in-law has been selling for years. Uh, like I said, he's, I think he's been in FBA since its you know existence, um, and he's on daily payouts. Um, so I know they can do it, or I know that they've done it in the past at least. Um, the, the the thing that I've gotten from them is um, the platforms change so. Um, payouts can't change. It's two weeks is, is, is what it is. 
um, and you have to qualify for the, uh, you know, the kind of what they're calling a loan system. Um, and, and I think it really has to, to do more with they want to get, um, a, you know, a, a solid gauge on what you're going to be selling monthly. So if you're fairly new, um, they're not going to allow you to qualify for that loan. So when they see that you're consistently running whatever the number is, whether it's 10000 or 100000 they know what they can get away advancing you. Um, and, and that's really where their loans come from. But the, the thing is, is generally by the time you have, they have a, uh, a solid fee on you, um, you don't need the money anymore. Hopefully. <laughs> so, uh, it, it makes the startup you know, tough. Have you looked into Tabbit and all that one that I've heard about? I, I, I haven't. You know, I, I, I've looked. Uh, you know, I've, I've looked around some, but um, I, I just kind of, especially with it being Q4, I just you know put my nose to the grindstone and you know worked, um, and you know done you know done what I what I you know could to make it happen, and um, you know now that um, things have lightened up a bit. Um, I'm going to try to figure out how to work smarter from what I've learned um, and look into some of those things to help, um, you know, make things easier from a, from a stress standpoint. Yeah, I would definitely uh, – I, I remember, I think it was in the online selling experiment, you know, Ryan Grant's group that um, uh, that someone in the thread had posted about cabbage, and they had a positive experience with it. What, what they do is they – connect into your Amazon account. And I think the more information you provide, the probably the more you qualify for. But if you connect like your bank account, use for FBA or QuickBooks or your Amazon account, eBay, whatever it is, the more you connect, they can obviously see the historical data and they can qualify you for, you know, money on the spot. I'm sure a credit check is part of it as well. But, you know, that's even right. something I've thought about looking into. You know, my goal um, uh, personally, I don't have a chance to listen to the call to listen to all the other stuff we're talking about with other folks. But you know, my goal is to go full time to quit my leave my full time job in the next few months. Um, and I've always thought about cabbage as kind of a a backstop in a way or a way to even take advantage of ramping up for Q4 next year. Right. Um, so maybe something just worth exploring. To be honest with you. Of course. Um, what I've heard about cabbage, if if you look at the details, the fine print on it is the interest rate is pretty, pretty high. Um, if I recall correctly, it's actually higher than a bad credit card. Like, it might be in the 18% range, which is like a you can get a credit card with a 4.9% APR pretty easily. Right. So, um, you know, Ryan Grant is huge about credit cards and – well, not huge, but he does use them, and if used effectively um, – I'm trying to move towards using some credit cards more effectively to free up my cash flow problems. Right. Because I'm it, also it, 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 it's a pretty common problem, quite frankly. <laughs> Let me ask you, and I don't mean to ask an overly personal question, but I'll give the answer uh, if nobody cares. Uh, what do you guys spend in two weeks? Because I'm at about five grand in two weeks. Yeah, I'm about that, at least. Five grand. Okay. Okay. I, 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 mine varies. I, 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 I spend as much as I possibly can, quite frankly. Um, okay. 
you know, it, it really depends. On what's my payout for that last two weeks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I might be a little different. This is John. I don't spend a whole lot. But that's mainly just because I I work purely part time, and I just don't have the time to spend all the time. So I was spending probably between probably about three grand a month consistently from um, January to October-ish with a little bit of a larger month in there when uh, Ryan Grant and I did our, our road trip uh, to, to uh, Chicago. But um, I don't, I tend to not spend enough. That's my only issue is just the time thing. Yeah, on the contrary, I don't. I don't have the. I. I'm lucky enough that I don't really have cash flow problems as much. But I also have the full time job on the back end that can, you know, bankroll any expenses that I have. So. There was a. Did you guys see the latest spreecast uh, that they just published? There was a guy. Now he was saying that his gross income or gross earnings was about 2.2 million a year. Did anybody see that? No. Yeah, so he said his gross income was two point two million. His take home, like his profit was about uh three hundred and twenty thousand a year. Wow. But what his big thing was was he was spending a thousand dollars a day on inventory. And <laughs> but that doesn't was this, make was sense. this John Grolo? I think it might have been. Yeah, okay. I did that just doesn't make sense to me because okay, let's say he, everything he's buying is a three times markup. That comes to about one point one million dollars. No, John, that wasn't John. John, John in the past has talked about um, his philosophy is you buy a thousand dollars a day, and that's based on a five day work week. I mean, obviously you'll have some days um, besides your, your standard five day work week, but he says spend a grand a day. You have to spend a grand a day if you want to be a million dollar business. Hmm. Well, that um, makes sense because you know what they're saying is you need to you need to look at you know kind of your overall numbers. What, what's your goal? If your goal is going to be I want to make five hundred thousand dollars a year, you need to make sure you're working towards your goal. I mean, you can't just like all of a sudden you know, magically make $500,000 at the end of the year. Um, you'll plan towards that, and so it's almost like working in reverse. If, if you want to make a million dollars this year, plan on spending a grand a day. Um, okay. or, or or larger lumps at some point, but it has to equate to a grand a day at our, your typical three times rule. Because okay. there's going to be some there, there's going to be some adjustments because of, you know, competing for the buy box or refunds or whatever the case is that will, you know, change those numbers a little bit. Um, you know, that that's why the, when you do the, you know, grain a day, you're going to be a little bit over a million, but once you adjust things, it, it's a million bucks. Because um, he did a million bucks, um, or he, was, he would have been in, um, you know, route to make a million bucks this past year until he got suspended. Um, and he got suspended because uh, of the, the the issues that happened in health and beauty, um, where there was a lot of uh, fraudulent uh, counterfeit mm-hmm. cost control in there, and that's why they've really cracked down on the gating of that category. 
Yeah. Uh, and they're being very strict with, you know, with what's going on. And, and they really, you know, that, that's how they react. You know, as soon as they find, you know, counterfeits or issues, they just gate it. Uh, and that's why, you know, they locked up Frozen um, this past fall, um, you know, because they, you know, my brother-in-law was actually buying stuff from, I mean, he, he bought, he, he flipped from Amazon to Amazon. He does that a lot. Um, he was buying stuff that's being shipped to him. And the writing, you know, he took pictures of it. It doesn't even make sense. And it was stuff he bought from Amazon um, that was supposedly frozen that, you know, was just a, a knockoff from China with horrible English on the packaging. It wasn't even close to the real thing. You know, so. I, uh, I came – before I did this, I was in the jewelry business. And what people are doing in the jewelry business with blood diamonds – is they will parcel out diamonds. It just sounds like black market selling, which has been going on for years in the jewelry business. It's just high tech now. Right. And, and for myself, since be a part time, I'm counterfeiting. Just, just just to run out and, and and you know hit a store here, hit a store there, put a shipment in, watch your sales go up. You know, if you want to treat this, you know, like a business, you got to do projections and have accounts of accountable. So that's what I'm kind of starting to figure out is how much do I have to buy based on what I've, my margins have been in the past, how much do I have to buy, you know, to make X um, if I want to replace my my salary or close to it, I should say, um, you know, in the next few months, what do I have to do? And it's kind of a, you know, I kind of have some ideas I need to put pen to paper and, and start tracking it, but, you know, it's, it definitely gets you ramped up. I and mean, I've looked at the last couple of days. I haven't bought that much inventory. And, you know, I, I'm, I have a, a lot of online arbitrage stuff I've received in the last few days, boxes sitting here to be to prepped and shipped. But it's just like I need to keep buying. You know, there, there's things. Uh, it just needs yeah. to keep happening. So it's yeah, it's definitely one of the things I'm struggling with right now um, is just kind of doing that. And, and like I said, getting all that administrative stuff done, like that kind of stuff, and then putting it into action. I'm in the same boat, too. Yeah, you know, one of the things that was helpful for me, I had watched a video where Chris Green um, did this. He uh, showed you how to find out how many dollars you have in inventory at Amazon at any one point in time. And he basically threw it all into an Excel sheet. I don't know if anyone else has seen this, but it was helpful for me because it made me think through, yeah, I can set a goal of like $30,000 or $50,000. But if I don't have that much inventory at Amazon, I'm not going to do that. You know, so so for me, it was a kind of a wake up call. Of like, okay, I need to be aware of you know what the dollar amount that I have at Amazon truly is. Yeah, definitely. That's also if if you guys use Inventory Lab, that uh, <laughs> that shows you as well like what your gross sales would be if everything sold, and then also your profit. Oh. Yeah, I was okay. literally just about to say that. I actually have inventory <laughs> up right now. It's breaking down my total in-stock items, where I bought them from, how much I paid for them, and how much they're worth. Oh. Yep. Well, never mind then. This is Nick Mondell, by the way. I just got in a couple minutes ago. I don't yeah. know how long on here, but just yeah, I pop in. Inventory Labs is the best. If you go that way, it it's worth every penny. Okay. That is good to know. I bought a bunch of uh, stuff 
before end of the year before taxes type of stuff. I bought some scanners, and I'm like, okay, so if I go this route, I want to have all everything that I need, all the tools I need available. So I just might do that tonight. Yeah, <laughs> this is right. How, how time-consuming is it to set that up, though? Oh, it's all automatic. And let me tell you, the biggest and Nick, I do you use do you use the shipment through Inventory Lab? I do. Yeah. Okay. The way that Inventory Lab does a shipment for Amazon will save you so much time mm-hmm. because you can open. So, like the way I do it is, I make I open boxes like in my room, my shipping mm-hmm. room. Yeah. So I write down the warehouse on it. So Abe, BNA, AVP, Aunt, Frontario, Canada, or I'm sorry, California. And then I scan the item in, I put in how much I paid for it, and it tells me how many go to each warehouse, and then I can print the label. But I can hold that shipment open for a week. So, like, as I'm going in and sourcing throughout the week, I just put them in the boxes, or I have filing or shelving units now that I do that with. Okay, well, what do you do when you can't scan an item? You can type in... The or the the title, and it'll search like Amazon listings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, okay. I'm curious because I, I, you know, I'm, I've been trying to, and I think was it you, Chris, that someone wanted to talk about tonight improving their 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 shipment workflow, and that's definitely something I, I want to do as well. Um, I yeah. found I found when I'm doing that that the numbers will change. I even see it happen within a few hours, maybe even a, you know the same day, maybe start something in the morning and do it in the afternoon, I'll see the warehouse is completely changed where I stop doing I stop breaking them up right away because if I'll just start moving stuff around. So I actually just process everything, um, put it on a couple of tables, and then once I'm ready to submit the shipment, then I, then I kind of just start pulling and packing into boxes, which I feel like it might be kind of a, a waste of time. But do you not feel they change? The warehouses change at all? I haven't seen too much change in them, and I've been worried about that because I have a lot of problems with my inventory. Um, I'm missing, and I've mentioned this, um, almost $1,000 in inventory um, just in one shipment that just went missing. It was 20 bottles of soap and 20 soap dispensers, and they're 20 bucks a piece. So, you know, well, that's 400 but there's some other stuff too. And I don't know if that's why, and I've been trying to get it tracked down because it was reconciled in. So they did receive it, but it was never added to my inventory. It might be uh, just moving between warehouses. Sometimes that stuff can take a while on the trucks. It's been almost a month. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've called them about it, and they're initiating an investigation into it, which, you know, that's fine, but... It's annoying because I mean I have a cash flow problem and I'd want to hey. sell it. Yeah. Hey, this is Ben. So actually, for uh, as far as the inventory lab issue goes, I've actually uh, I used to do um, split shipments like you guys, and and actually, so right now I'm testing uh, premium placement. So I'll go into that a little bit in, uh, after this. But uh, when I use inventory lab with the split shipments. Um, the locations for the items do change throughout either the day or the next day. So you guys have to be really careful about that. Uh, yeah, to piggyback off of that, um, I talked with, I forget what her name is, I think Elizabeth, who's posting on the 
inventory lab page all the time. Um, if or and I guess I've talked to Ryan Stevens as well. Um, if you let it go over a certain threshold, I don't remember exactly what the threshold was, but if you know from today till tomorrow, um, the items will change on based on where Amazon wants it to go once it's actually yeah. converted over to the Amazon category. So, like, I don't remember if it was Chris that was talking before about yeah. how he's – I basically would do the same stuff for my shipping. I set up a couple boxes, flip the stuff right into it, and then I'll just double-check at the end. But I found that was ended up being more time-consuming, putting it in the boxes, double-checking to make sure it's all accurate, then sending it away. So nowadays I just um, – throw it all together, and then when I'm boxing my stuff, I'll do my small shipments first, get those all prepared, and then I know that my largest shipment is going to be accurate if my other ones were accurate based on the, the numbers I put in. So that's kind of the way I, I do my shipping. So I sort the least amount of items in the long run. Um, but, yeah, like Ryan said the and Ben said, the numbers do change which warehouses items go to um, pretty often for me. Nothing that you can't reconcile and get fixed if you make a mistake or do it, but just kind of an annoyance. So I guess, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. The, the other thing is that ScanPower is actually coming out with its own accounting system, kind of like uh, Inventory Labs. So just so you guys know you have options, I'm going to test that one out when it comes out, too. Yeah, I probably yeah, will be testing that out as well, um, just to see if I think it's any better. Yeah, so it's just Inventory like Labs... Is inventory lab accounting as well? Yep. Yeah, it, it's like full basically accounting as well as listing and um, and then they also have Scatify, which is their app. So actually inventory lab, I think one of the most useful things is uh, as you list the item or put it into your shipment, you're automatically, like as you're doing it, you're putting in your supplier and your buy cost. Um, so, like, you know, you do that right away, so then you don't have to go back later. Because I, I saw people mentioning where they must just be listing straight through Amazon because they're saying at the end of the year they make, like, this massive Excel sheet and then have to go through and, like, you know, individually list all their buy costs for all these things. Where Inventory Labs, as you scan it or list the product in your shipment, you can put in your supplier and buy cost right then, and then it saves it and then uh, shows you data from that. Um, hey, I actually got to get get going again, guys. But uh, Erica, I assume that's you. It was nice hearing yeah. your voice. And is, is Matt here too? I don't. He wasn't on. I, I am. Yeah. Hey, Matt. This is Nick. Just so you guys can recognize voices, so I can you know recognize yours. Is there anyone that anyone else that couldn't make it today? Blake. Blake. And, yeah, and then uh, and then and then Ben is here as well, uh, Nick. And I don't know if you talked with him yet, but he was on our last. He was not on our last call. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Ben. Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, so sorry, i got to jump off again. But I am going to listen to uh, the whole thing later on. So uh, I'll, if I have time, I want to be in a, for a couple hours, but I might just try calling again and see if you guys happen to still be around. But everybody have a, a good night. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining. Thank right, you. Right, guys. Thanks, thanks, Nick. Take care, Nick. Um, so, so real quick, and then, yeah, um, let's talk about shipments. Uh so what? So let me tell you kind of what I got to do and and pick me apart. Tell me, let's maybe we can all just build on each other, right? And just come up with the ultimate workflow. So um, I get products mostly right now online arbitrage. So I'm actually looking at my basement here, and that's in my basement. 
a, a big stack of boxes. Um, I will I will take a box at a time, um, open it up. You know, I actually uh, let me back up a little bit. So I when I buy something online arbitrage, I send the receipt to Evernote via email. You can actually just forward if you guys are big. I'm a big Evernote user. You can actually just you have an Evernote email address. I forward the receipt to Evernote, and I actually edit that note and I put in there the total buy cost of each item. So if I'm buying five items from Walmart, I'll actually do a little uh, chart of, or I'm sorry, a table of five items, the ASIN they're listed under, the name, the quantity I bought, and the buy cost because I feel like there's a lot of time because I, I figure a tax and everything into my total buy cost. So it takes a lot of time when you're listing, in my opinion, to do that. So um, anyway, when I unbox the shipment, I pull that receipt. I copy everything into inventory lab. Uh, and then it just goes on a couple card tables that I have sitting next to each other, and I just kind of stack things up next to each other. Uh, I do that with all my items, and then I eventually hit submit in inventory lab. And then I feel like that's like that's like one big section. I have another big part, obviously. Of I, I just start. Uh, I send all my shipments to the shipment workflow on Amazon. Go back over to Amazon Seller Central and start grabbing uh, a shipment at a time. You know, so I'll do my New York or my sorry, New Jersey shipment. Uh, how many boxes that needs to go into, box all those up, print the labels, you know, take them next to my front door for the UPS driver to pick up. So that's kind of my workflow um, now. And I, I feel like uh, I, I used to or used to do a lot of retail arbitrage. I would process things as I got them and add them, you know, each day and add them each day, which I felt like was a huge time saver. And I feel like maybe I'm just getting a lot more product now. That's a little more daunting, but I feel like if you kind of can spread that part of it out, it's a lot easier to just sit down and okay, now let me just box everything up. And so, please let's let's uh, help me out if there's any any way people are doing things better or how you guys do things. Okay, um, so you guys know who Peter Molius is, the AFT guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know. Okay. So I read in a in a um, thread that he actually does one ship uh, one box per shipment, and I can't remember the details, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And I I was just kind of thinking for you because you do uh, online arbitrage, like the, the the thing is you can't really do one box per shipment because you, you're not case packing, and then also because. Um, there's going to be split shipment, but if you do like inventory placement or premium placement, then you'd be able to do that, and I think then you could get a lot of boxes out. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that much more expensive either. Because yeah, what I think experimenting with right now is premium placement. Yeah, because that's. I mean, I, I I usually get sent to at least so I get sent to always three warehouses for my standard items: New Jersey, South Carolina, and uh, Oakland, and um, I, I you know the, I always have those three no matter what and then obviously if it's oversized I'll go to Phoenix or or somewhere else so I've always at least gotten that's the thing I've run into I, I feel like if I just do quick shipments my boxes are small and I'm not doing you know obviously a little larger boxes you're getting the benefit of of getting more things in one box and distributing the weight a little evenly and it's a little more cost effective that way so I'm still trying to figure that part of it. Out of it okay, too. Well, let me tell you real quick what I found out about that just 
this week is that they charge you a minimum for seven pounds. A minimum for seven pounds. Yeah, your minimum is okay. going to charge. And, I ha- you know, I sell really lightweight products for the most part, right? So I so I sent several things in that were only four pounds, and they said, well, we still have to charge you the seven-pound minimum. So I just wanted to interject that real quick if that fits in. So, so I no, that's great. Uh, so, so Amazon, so in the inbound shipping cost, you're getting charged for at least seven pounds, correct? Yes, and I had a four-pound box. Interesting. Okay. So, so what's nice something like uh, I know Inventory Lab is you can actually, uh, I think what Chris was saying, and I've done this a little before too. You can, and I've run into problems with com- you can actually combine shipments, right? I, I don't know if. I've I've done this once, but I also ran into a problem one time where it wouldn't let me combine them. So if I create one box that's going to go to – maybe I need to do this, right, in Inventory Lab. Uh, if I create a box today that's going to go to New Jersey, but it's a small box, I can actually just leave that to the side. Next week when I create my small box in New Jersey – of uh, for New Jersey, I can actually combine the two into one box through Inventory Lab. Does anybody else do that? Yeah, that's correct. And you just um, there's a little button up top when you're sending your shipments that says "Add to existing workflow." I'm, I'm pulling up Inventory Lab right now to make sure I explain it right. But yeah, you just when you send the shipment away, you just click. Um, or when you're sending it from Inventory Lab to Amazon, there's a thing up up on the top right that has you uh, add it to your existing shipment that's active, and uh, that way you can just combine them and it recognizes it. As one brand new shipment altogether with all the uh, the product together. What I and I do that I do that all the time. What I kind of found useful is sometimes what I'll do, and maybe this is just a huge waste of time that I'm going through. Is like I'll make a shipment. I tend to I tend to go to Pennsylvania, Hazleton, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee a lot, and then. Um, to California, and sometimes I'll get a thing where it's like, oh, you're going to ship three things to California, and I really don't feel like doing it. What I do is I send it to Inventory Lab and then go in and manually edit the number of items. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you go and you can review and modify the item numbers, the the number of items in Amazon, the workflow. Yeah, I'll do it there, or I'll just delete that shipment and then add those items to my next shipment, and then sometimes they get sent to Tennessee instead. Okay. Yeah, the only thing with um, changing the quantities there is I think you have to be within a certain percentage of what the previous Uh number you had stated was. Five items items are 5%. Yeah, okay. And um, I'm not really sure on, I mean, I'm sure it's not something that they really love for people to do, but I don't know. I've, I've, I've done it a few times. I try not to make it a habit, but uh, I, I don't think there's any harm that it can really do that much. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, Ben, you say you do um, you do premium placement, right? So let me ask you, does that send it to the warehouse, like, closest to your house, or where do they get sent? Um, typically, like you, you, you could be different too, I guess, because it's probably depending on where you are. I'm assuming. Yeah, it depends on where you are. Uh, they either they'll pick one for you, or give you a couple of options to pick from. Uh, for me, I'm in California, and they sent my stuff to San Bernardino, which is about uh, an hour's drive away. 
So it's really not too far as far as I'm concerned. Um, the shipment cost itself is really, really cheap. It's uh, where they nail you is the per unit cost that they charge you. Like, for example, I did a shipment just the other day for, I forget, like 100-something pounds. I paid $28. So wow. cost-wise, it wasn't expensive. Um, the only problem is that they charge you, at least for the West Coast, they charge like a 75 cents per unit uh, if it's under a pound, and then it's a dollar 25 if it's two pounds and under, and then if it's uh, three pounds and over, it's a dollar 25 plus 30 cents a pound. So wait, so 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 that's per uh, back up. That's per unit or per shipment? You're saying per unit. <laughs> That's brutal. Holy cow. Yeah. So, like, if you're in... Are you... Are you li- oh, sorry. I was going to say, are you bagging anything or labeling it as well? Yeah, I am. I'm doing that part. But, you know, the thing is, doing going premium placement really has made the shipping process much, much easier and much, much faster. Um, the only thing is the cost, but then the reasoning I have for going that route is, you know... Typically, at least the stuff that I buy and sell, there's a quite, quite a bit of price erosion. So the quicker you get it in, the quicker you can realize the price that you want. Then you know, then you don't have. Then you. I mean, I I feel like that kind of makes up for the extra cost that I'm paying. But at this point, I can't say for sure because I'm still experimenting with it. So. That's yeah. Also, what, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say there's a couple ways that I would look at it. A would be the way you're looking at it with price erosion. The speed at which you get it in is going to um, justify that cost if you're able to make that extra few dollars and only end up paying a dollar. Also, the way I'd look at it is how much time it's actually saving you. If it's yeah. worth that dollar average per item, if it's only saving you, you know, a half an hour and you're spending an extra $100, you know, is is your time worth a hundred dollars for a half an hour? Um, and then you, that's everyone's personal preference. You know, you make your own decision, allocate what your time is worth, uh, and then make the decision there. If it's, if you can justify the cost, I, uh, I'll, that's something that I'm going to play with though, is, is, um, um, inventory place, probably not premium placement, but inventory placement for sure. And then having Amazon, um, label my items as well and bagged items as well for certain stuff if it's just too much of a hassle. But yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it is um, time allocation versus the, the cost. So I've not uh, heard of premium placement. What is, um, I think that was John, what is the difference between inventory placement and premium placement? I'm actually not sure. I think Ben could probably explain it. Inventory placement, um, or what I might guess is premium placement just sends it to them nearest warehouse to you, or is there a difference? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, premium placement basically sends it to the closest warehouse to you, and inventory placement, they pick the warehouse for you, so that's the main difference. And with inventory okay. placement, my understanding is that, um, you know, they'll, p- they'll pick the the warehouse, but then at that point, they might actually start moving your inventory around to the ultimate destination, the ultimate warehouse, with premium placement, will they do the same thing, or will they leave it there so that it's available for sale the moment it hits that warehouse? Uh, that's the other part that I'm experimenting with. Like I'm trying to keep a close eye on that. I've noticed that there's some stuff that they do keep, and it goes on sale right away, and there are other stuff that moves. So 
But there's the other the other thing I've noticed is that the stuff that move they're still available for sale, but they're just considered back ordered. So I don't know if I'm actually getting orders for the items that are considered back order. Right. You know, so it's something that I've really got to just kind of play around. I I'll just this is sort of just my perspective. When I first uh, started, I um, was obsessed with this with this issue, and it it irked me to no end that I would get these. Uh, like all of us do, um, you know, get these shipments that would go to three or four uh, different warehouses across the country. And and then I, at some point, I just sort of decided, and again, this is just my perspective, I decided to stop trying. And, and I would do kind of like what Chris, I think, was mentioning. And I still do it occasionally, but kind of game the system a little bit where you go back and you delete uh, a product, you know, here or there, um, cancel the shipment. Uh, so that you can combine uh, the products later on into other shipments. Um, and at some point, I stopped doing almost all of that and kind of threw my hands up and you know put my faith in the in in Jeff Bezos that that they understand the logistics of the business clearly more than I mean Amazon is is almost not like a selling enterprise. It's like basically just a logistics company. And uh, and they understand that they need your products because they have all of this massive data, you know, near Phoenix, let's say. And it's what what I understand just in some reading that I've done is that your items actually have a higher chance of getting sold uh, to a customer that happens to be living near Phoenix, for example, because your product is there and they can get that product from their Phoenix warehouse to that customer quicker. I mean, at the end of the day, Amazon wants to get the product from their warehouse to that customer where that customer happens to live as quickly as possible. And that's ultimately why they need your product spread out. So I just sort of decided to, like I said, put put faith in, in Amazon that they know that the quickest way to sell my products is to tell me precisely where they need them positioned. Yeah, Leo, you're exactly uh, you're exactly right. They, they, I think you know. I think it's people have said this. That is a factor, I believe, in the buy box, right? I mean, I'm going to see something that's in a warehouse. Um, Illinois doesn't have a, Illinois is getting their first warehouse there this year or next year, but I'm going to see something that's in Indiana or something that's much quicker to get to me, uh, even if it's a higher price. Now, you guys will always see it on the buy box. It'll always say, not always, but it'll say maybe available from another. Right. seller at a lower price or prime seller at a lower price because that that one can be the lowest price could be ha- across the country and, and they don't want to spend you know probably 85 percent of those people don't click on that to click the lowest price um because yeah, you I've, can get I've, it gotten, sooner. I've gotten the buy box i mean because i know that we all try and you know not race to the bottom and you know kind of follow the strategy of you know putting our prices at you know either right at the low price or even a little bit above the low price uh, because you'll still get the buy box. If, and I think the percentage that's kind of typically quoted is about one and a half percent. You know, you'll still get the buy box. I've gotten the buy box when I was 20% more expensive than the low FBA price. And I'm convinced, and I could be complete, you know, this could be completely just an assumption, a wrong assumption on my part, but I'm convinced that it's because my particular unit happened to be um, next door, 
you know, in a warehouse that was next door to the person that logged in with their IP address that um, was closer. And Amazon knows that they can get that product to that customer cheaper and faster uh, if they happen to order it. Um, I yeah, think another, that's correct. I think I've had another, the same experience. I think another thing Sorry, to keep in mind is Amazon, like in the Philadelphia area, they don't even, well, they do for some things use UPS, but there's actually a fleet of messengers that, like, you can order something in Philadelphia and some guy in a Toyota Corolla will show up at your house in two hours <laughs> and hand it to you. Right. Okay, right. and um, you know that of course also affects the buy box. It has to. So I think that not only is it the location of it for um, speed of delivery, because I mean they're guaranteeing two day delivery, which is very expensive, but also the cost of delivery because you know UPS uses zones. So if there is a warehouse like in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, I ship there all the time. That's within the zone of New York City and Philadelphia and D.C. and probably 35% of the American population. You know what I'm saying? Just in that yeah. such populated area. Yeah. it's uh, Like I said, I, I just know that everything I've read of Amazon for the past 10 years is that the one thing Jeff Bezos is, is absolutely obsessed over is uh, quick, efficient, and cheap delivery. Uh, and I think ultimately that's what we're seeing when, when we get these. Uh, and, and quite frankly, that's probably why we're being asked to pay a premium for inventory placement and even now premium placement, which sounds, you know, these fees sound outrageous, um, you know, uh, because he's offsetting his cost that he's trying to limit by offering, you know, free two-day shipping to anywhere in the country. Yeah, and I've actually done tests talking about buy box real quick. Um, I've done tests here in Minnesota where I'll look at an item and all of a friend, like that's a popular item, you know, where there's many, many sellers, Amazon's a seller sometimes too. Um, and all of a friend that's living over on the East coast in South Carolina and we'll look at, um, the item and see, I'll ask him, Hey, what's your buy box and who's the seller for it? And we'll both have different yeah. buy box sellers just purely on location. And Absolutely. so it's, I've seen it's that definitely before. a factor that plays into it. So, so how is something like um, is the Eagle app able to tell you you have the buy box 40% of the time or you have the buy box this percentage of the time? Like how, how would they know that? The, they know that after the fact, right? Yeah, it's more so after the fact, not like I don't not know if I can tell you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, I've been really, really annoyed with uh, App Eagle and I'm probably going to end up dropping their service because I keep manually having to do repricing. And if I'm paying them to do it, I don't want to do it myself. And well, their I'm, timing is off for me. Like I'm getting what, reports for my entire day at 6 o'clock at night. I'm like, well, I still have six more hours of selling time. Yeah, I get that too. Yeah, I, I, I think that's just a recap email they send you at the end of the day. I mean, I'm an happy Eagle subscriber too, and I actually just spent – hours yesterday um, refining some pricing strategies because I realized there was, and then right in the middle of doing it, I'm like, what am I doing? Am I being way too complicated? And I think I may be, but I'm going to try it out. So I actually created about four different pricing strategies based on, um, I'll give you guys just the, the, the quick overview. You know, if item has low rank, low competition, high rank, high competition, and adjusting those variables, 
And that way, too, I can just change those profiles. If I see they're not working, just change, you know, because usually the rank and the and the competition usually stays consistent. It can change, obviously, but uh, I can also move that to move an item to a profile if it does change. So um, my point of that is is that, uh, you know, I, I, I always use or get the buy box feature, um, kind of when I started out with AppEagle, which was great because you'd sell your items like super quick and it definitely turn your cash flow over as fast as possible. Um, the thing I realized, especially when I get into December, I was leaving like money on the table. I mean, I was selling out of items. You know, I had this, I had one item that I was selling that I literally sold all of them when they hit the warehouse. I mean, it was like sometimes under a thousand in the kitchen, and I, I'd sell them all. I'm like, what am I doing? I need to, I need to start thinking through this. So I started pricing items above the lowest FBA salary, like, you know, one, one and a half, two percent above, and I'm still doing that. So I, I really enjoyed App Eagle. I feel like it takes a whole part of the equation now. I don't think I'd ever want to go back to manually repricing, but I know based on what you're saying, Chris, and I know I think, I, Matt, you said in the group the other day that you're pretty leery of repricers, um, which, um, Maybe you know, I'm just looking at it wrong. I don't know, yeah. Did you, did you ever use the Get the Buy Box uh this their algorithm? Do you ever use that? No, I'll have to look at that. You know, I, I was having a discussion with somebody about the buy box the other day. Um, a friend of mine who's kind of a math, he, he's like a master's degree in mathematics. And um, from business, and I'm sure Erica will know this, um, the price of an item, you know, makeup is not reflective of what it costs to make. It's dirt and then you put it on your face, and for some reason that shovel of dirt is worth 20 bucks, whereas the shovel of dirt from my house is not worth 20 bucks. Um, so the thing is, is um, when the buy box is being formulated, I wonder if they look at, um, like I sold some frozen items. I sold um, life-size Anna and Elsa dolls, pairs. Bought them at Target for 60 bucks, resold them for almost $300. Um, right before Christmas, and then the market just dropped on them. So my question is, is there's a saying, you know, the price of an item is what the market will bear. So when you have an item like that, is it in Amazon's best interest to sell an item like that at $150 or $250? And do they calculate some formula, which I'm sure they have to, to figure out, well, if we put the buy box at $200, people are going to buy it at the same velocity as $150. And by knowing that, they get a higher commission because it's percentage-based. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, that's, the, the, the only thing that I would uh, – if it was any other business on the planet, I would agree with you, except Amazon for 20 years – has seen seems to single-mindedly um, have an obsession to lose money. I mean, they they <laughs> refuse to make profits. I mean, he refuses to make. Well, he's just not inclined. You know, profits for him just don't hold the same uh, currency, no pun intended, than it does for any other business on the planet. And it's just that's just his philosophy. So I'm not I'm not sure if if okay. he would want to go in that direction, but. Well, well, and secondly, you know, use your example, uh, Chris. If you know, if if they did that, if they put the two hundred dollar item in the buy box, but someone's at one fifty, 
there would be, like, you know, outrage of why is Amazon, you know, because people blindly, I do it, shit, as a customer, I blindly click on that buy box sometimes. I mean, I'll, I'll try to go to the lowest FBA seller, but, um, you know, you, you just click it sometimes. So people would probably be outraged to find out, like, why is Amazon charging me $50? They think Amazon's charging $50 more, and it becomes a customer service issue. And, you know, there's two things, you know, Leo kind of mentioned the one earlier, but it's logistics and customer service, and that's all they yeah. – that's all they care about. So, so th- yes, they will go a little above that buy box, you know, the lowest price, but I think that's to get the, the, the item to you as quickly as possible, or I guess as cheaply as possible, I should say, or both. Um, yeah, but that's that's interesting. And, you know, App Eagle, um, so I got an email. I don't know if you guys got this the other day. I think it ends today, so shit, I'll have to look at this tonight. But, um I got an offer to, to upgrade to their continuous repricing. So I, I'm on a heritage plan. You know, Ryan Grant plugged it, and I, I definitely bought it on him. So I'm paying 25 bucks a month. They want me to – I can upgrade to premium for half off for six months, but then if I downgrade again, I go to the new – sell. if I downgrade to the basic plan, I'm now paying 50 bucks a month. So the, the big difference is the continuous repricing, which I think that can be advantageous. Um uh, also, I emailed them about the because they have a benefit of algorithm repricing in their feature list on their website. And I asked what that was, and right now it's to get the buy box, which I actually have on my plan, that algorithm, which I think is uh, really cool. You just hit that one button, and it automatically changes those are the variables for you. Um, but then... Also, they're working on other algorithms in the future to put on there. So, I mean, that's that's what it takes the guesswork out of us sitting there trying to figure out what the most efficient variables are, and, and they kind of you know do it themselves. So, um, you guys talked about it not being that accurate at Eagle. I think sometimes when we see, like, it'll say we have the buy box, we click on the item, right, and we see we don't have the buy box. I think it's because wherever App Eagle is pulling their data from. You know, they're seeing one percent of the buy box. We see another, right? Because again, it's all based on uh, logistics where you're located, or a lot of it is, I should say. I mean, that that can that's an explanation for it, but I think that can also hurt you because, again, if App Eagle is only going off the buy box and, and they're located in California, they're pulling data from California. Someone in New York could be seeing a totally different buy box, and now App Eagle's repricing me based on the California. I don't know. That's a, maybe a good question for them, to how that works. Hey, Ryan, I have a question so, for you guys. You And all of you have App Eagle, and I used it for a couple of weeks, and I was a little um, – it, it was fine. I, I did notice that it repriced here and there, but for the most part, I ended up going in manually during Q4 and doing it, and now I've got to decide um, whether or not I, I want to get it uh, again. When, when you click that button that says – you know, buy. You know, get the buy box. Is there a risk that you know, if some low baller comes in with an incredibly low price, your price will suddenly drop to where you might lose money on it? Oh no, no. On every item, you have to select a minimum price. Um, okay. At least for the get the buy box option, you have to. I think on other variables, if you don't have to. So on every single one of my, you know, after I send the shipment inventory lab. And before it gets to the warehouse, I go into App Eagle and the, the SKUs are on there, and I do all the repricing of them, right? So I go in there and I say, okay, the minimum. So I actually put in my SKU, and this has worked well so far, um, 
my skew is a variation of how much I bought the item for and what the profit margin will be, usually 50%, almost all the time, and what the price needs. My minimum price is going to be for that 50%. So when I'm actually putting stuff in the inventory lab, I'll, in my SKU, I'll put kind of hidden, right, in between letters and numbers, I'll put my profit will be 50%. I need to price the item at $15.33. Okay, so that way I go to my repricer, I make minimum price $50.33. And I know no matter what, AppEagle is going to get me at least 50 cents, or I'm sorry, 50% back, um, possibly more, obviously. It just depends. So right. that's how I've used it. I've, it's worked really well because you know you're not going to lose money um, as long as they don't have, like, a technical problem. That, that would be the only thing that could happen, which, which could happen and does happen. But, um, yeah, you know, you can always put the minimum price, and it's never gone below that for me. So that, that works out well. Thanks. Hey, actually, let me jump in a little bit right here. Um, so I've tested a lot of repricers. I've tested uh, Repricer, which is probably one of the most basic ones. I've tested App Eagle. I recently tested Beatvisor, and I'm uh, testing uh, B Cool right now. B Q O O L. And so far, I have to say that's probably my favorite one. Um, so uh, I don't know if you guys know Feedvisor, but Feedvisor is like they are purely uh, algorith algorithmic, uh, and they they charge like one percent of your sales or something ridiculous like that. Um, so I had a two week trial, and really it functions a lot like App Eagles um, by Get It uh, Buy Box Now feature. Uh, what I've noticed with App Eagles get the buy box feature is that they price it like one penny under the buy box and they keep going down from there until it gets the buy box. That's pretty much what all it does. Uh, the Feedvisor one is similar except I think it uses more data. Uh, but that one, it just like straight up reprices lower than everyone else at like 20, 30 cents and tries to get the buy box that way. Now, be cool they have a similar function that's yeah, get the buy box and they price it one penny below the buy box, the current buy box. But what it'll do is that the next time the buy box rotates this or as soon as you get the buy box, it'll uh price it one penny under your next lowest competition. Or no wait. It does no, that's not it. Shoot, I forgot what it does. It does. It has a, a much better feature than App Eagle is, is what I'm trying to say. I think you guys should try and, and check it out. Uh, but there's a lot of functions that uh, Be Cool has that App Eagle doesn't have. And I've been able to use just one uh, rule for all of my items. Did so, you like, you know, how, how Ryan's creating four different rules. I'm just using one, and it's working out pretty good for me. Did you notice an increase in sales or anything? Um, kind of hard to say right now because it, it's slow. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But I mean, I feel like I am getting the buy box. I, mean, I think anytime you use a repricer, you're, you're going to get the buy box more often. Um, so I think it's it's serving just fine. It's better than manually repricing, that's for sure. Okay, so I have two questions. Um, one for those of you who have or do use um, App Eagle. What's the percentage of time that you've seen you've gotten the buy box? My average percentage, whether it's been great business or slow like it is now, it's consistently been 40%. So 
I wonder, my first question is, what, what is that number? Okay. Um, 40%. And then my second, okay, my second question is, okay. why are they asking for your cost of purchase if there's no report they can produce out of it? To me, it feels like a waste of my brain power and time if I'm putting my cost in, but where is that information showing up? You know, is it just for me to re, like go back to and refer to? So any feedback on that, I would appreciate. Yeah, I think it's just for you to, because um, you don't have to put it in there. When you when you put a price, the only I think thing you're required to put in that vehicle is the minimum price. Um, you're not required to put in any other information. I used to put the cost in myself, but since I now build it in my SKU price, um, I don't worry about it because I can just look at it now. I think that would be for like the scenario where, you know, you put the the price in your in App Eagle once, and that way when you're repricing, you can immediately see what you what you paid for it instead of having to pull it up somewhere else, right? Instead of having to go through your records and say, how much did I pay for this item? You can see it right there. Uh, my uh, percentage, uh, Eric, I just pulled it up. I'm like at 28%, which is interesting. Like, that's a pretty big difference than, than 40, than what were you and yeah. Chris were. Um, and I'm pretty consistent. And it's funny to watch it hit. I, I don't know about you guys, but like, like, I kept decreasing the past, like, week. I just kept getting lower and lower. And then I had, like, a dozen boxes hit different filming centers yesterday all over the country. And now my buy box has just increased. Uh, it's, you know, it's on the uptick again. But, yeah, I'm, I'm – I think that's, you know, I don't know if it's just your beauty maybe that you have the buy box more or more of a variety I, I just didn't – I didn't know what um... – what the average was. I had nothing to compare it to, right? You know, my hope is, what, 99% of the time I'd have a box, but I didn't know what anybody else was getting or what my expectations should be. And it could be that I'm getting 40% because I do sell those, uh, I'll call it, you know, gray hair items that have nobody else can get, you know, those more rare items um, that nobody else has a buy box for. So that could be part of it. Hey, guys, I, I hate to cut you short, but I got, I got to run. No, that's fine. I know we're getting, uh, you know, two hours here. So, um, and I'm sorry, that was Matt, right? Yeah, it's Matt. Okay, I just want to make sure I didn't have the uh, uh, the name on the didn't have Matt in my uh, talk show up. But awesome, Matt. Thanks for um, thanks for joining tonight. Uh, you know, we'll let you know when the next one will be, and obviously we'll see in the group. But great hearing from okay. you and awesome. hearing your story. And thanks for sharing. Let me know if you uh, get this uploaded. I can I can I can listen to the remainder of it. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll post it once I do. So thank you. All right. Awesome. That was great. Listen, that was great meeting everybody. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Nice All right. Hey, this is John, too. I actually got to get going. I'm, I leave for uh, Las Vegas on Friday, so I got to get some stuff ready to get going. You poor so, uh, thing, John. I know, right? This, this is a pleasure. No, this is January for me is all pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> um, After Vegas, though, it'll be uh, notes to the grindstone. So are, are you, I have a question. Are you going with Ryan? Uh, he actually is going, yeah. It's, uh, we're, uh, a bunch of us from college are going, so. Okay. Well, it's, um, I'm, I'm sorry, so he is going or is not going? No, he, he is, yeah. Okay. He is. Well, just make sure he doesn't put all of his, you know, I saw his post. And for those of you who don't know who are new to this call, John is actually roommates with Ryan Grant. So, I keep we joked with John last time that he's gonna to have to get Ryan Grant as a special guest on our one of our calls here. Uh <laughs> just to, to to pick his brain a little bit. But 
you know, just make sure Ryan doesn't throw all of his money down at the roulette table or the blackjack table that he uh, <laughs> as he produced. He had an awesome December. Those numbers he posted the other day were sick. Yeah, once I saw those, I told him that he's paying for the trip now. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Well, have fun, man. It's uh, you know all this work we do, and you know you, you have a full time job as well, and do this, so you definitely work hard at it. You know, enjoy enjoy the time off. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, guys. And just a quick note: um, if you ever want to message me on Facebook, I tend to respond a lot better to direct messages than in the groups, as I don't go. I'm not able to get on all the time. So, uh, if you ever have any a specific question, just tag my name in it or send it directly to me, and I'll usually get back to those pretty quickly. But thanks, okay. thanks for the answer, everyone, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about that uh, cosmetic stuff, Erica. Yeah, hit me up anytime. Sounds good. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, Take care, John. Bye. Okay, All right, so everybody. What I I wanted to talk. Are we done with the app eagle question? Because I hey. have a question that. Actually, i got to run, too, so I'll, I'll catch you guys later. All right, Ben. Just take care. Thanks. All right. No Thank you. So who all is left? Leo. Erica. Erica Ryan. and Leo. Awesome. Okay. And Ryan and Chris, right? we got Chris, Erica, Ryan, and Leo? Yep. Yes. All right. That's all we need. <laughs> Erica, what um, did you want to ask? Okay. Oh, well, I was going to tell Ben that he needed to get ungated in automotive like the rest of us have this week. Because <laughs> it was so easy. Yeah, um, well, yeah, well, okay, well, so what was the, Leo, you found that out, right? Like, you just did that and got approved? Yeah, it was totally just trial and error. I don't know why I, uh, uh, you know, it just was at the, I think it was at Walmart, and I said, well, you know what, I'm going to get, uh, I was in the automotive section, I just started getting, um, what was the first thing that I bought? I actually bought things first, not realizing that uh, when I went actually went through the process, we didn't have to submit receipts. Uh, so I was just under the assumption that it was like grocery and health and beauty and all the rest of them where you actually have to submit uh, receipts. And um, and I just started buying things in the, uh, in the automotive category and then, uh, you know, scanned the uh scanned the receipts did all that you know like i did with all the others and um you know when i when i brought it up on uh on, on seller central i realized they, they didn't ask for any of that so it was just it's just weird i don't know why and it's weird because amazon i mean because uh, automotive has so many i would think they would have so many products that um they would want to gate because of things like uh, counterfeits and you know parts for cars and things like that. But yeah, it was it was crazy uh, easy. I, I don't know why uh, why they would allow it, but hey, I'm not complaining. It was wasn't it more of just like a yeah, I want to sell. I think I'll sell a hundred thousand a year. And, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that I'll just kind of hang out here. And they were like, yeah, cool, no pictures, no anything. <laughs>
of where I applied. So anyway, so I, I did get one submitted the other day, and I'm waiting to hear back on that. Hey, I have a question for anybody that's created a product um, in any category. Uh, this is about automotive. Um, if you're approved for the category, you can just make a product in the category, right? Yes. You okay. can you can I, make a listing for the category, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, so you could make your own product. Make your own product or well, create okay. your own I'm listing sorry. for a product? So like make your – I imported something from China. I'd be able to just make my own listing for it, right? Um, yes, right. you can. So I've looked into yeah. this because I am um, – one of the things I didn't mention earlier is that I'm actually doing jewelry now too, and I found it to be a huge profit margin. Anyway, um, you can go through and like just make a – basically you probably have like white-labeled stuff, right? So you can put any branding on it. Yeah, kind of – here, I, I don't want to like give away – well, I'll yeah. just say what it is because I don't – I hope nobody – steals this idea from me. I'll get real I promise I won't, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, do you guys know what DEET is? Uh, it's a bug spray? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I found out that if you if you ever see cars with hazed headlights, the way to fix them, and I used to, like, polish my headlights, or it's actually my mom's car, is you just spray DEET on it, let it sit for a couple seconds, and wipe it off, and they look brand new. So... What I was thinking about doing was in automotive was buying the mosquito spray and selling it off label as headlight restoration spray because hmm. you get it real cheap, like right from China. Have, have you have you looked up uh, if there are products that for that right now and what they're selling for? There is, and but they don't label what it is. And I can't seem to find the MSDS on it, which would tell me what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's stuff selling. I mean, I'm looking here. I'm actually looking at the products: eighteen bucks, twenty-one bucks. You know, so there's money in it um, because I can buy a bottle of Deep for about thirty-five cents. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, but, but so, yeah, but isn't Amazon going to want to know? Like you said, that could go under hazmat review. Could that be just a nightmare? Or no, I'm just thinking no, out here. It's not a hazmat item. It's cleared because you you can spray it on kids. I mean, I don't think you should, but you can. Yeah, but you so, you spray hairspray on women as well, and you put nail polish on people as well. So. Well, yeah, but it's not flammable. I mean, you can buy DEET off Amazon. Like you can sell the chemical DEET. So, I mean, okay. maybe, maybe I'm getting – I haven't looked into it too much, so maybe I'm getting into a huge nightmare here. But I was just curious because I was trying to think of getting into making a product, and it's a cool – you know, it is a big pain that a lot of people have to deal with. So that's kind of what I was looking at, and that's, that's where I was kind of asking for some guidance on that. Well, I mean, if you're going to if you're gonna re, rebrand the bottles, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to need your own UPC code. Of course, yes. E- easy and cheap to get. Um, and if the product is so cheap to get to begin with, what's the harm in you know sending in a half a dozen bottles and seeing how it goes? That's kind of what I was thinking, and making a listing and buying some advertisement and going from there with it. Yeah. Well, yeah so pri- idea private too. label that you don't have to import from um, from China or anything else. Just yeah, import it from your your local store. Uh, Erica, I thought you had a question, and we kind of got caught off on the tangent. Did you? Yeah, it was you ask about the getting un, um, 
I'm gated. So Blake has been amazing to me, and maybe this is part of the reason why he hasn't slept for three days. But <laughs> um, I have been working on getting ungated in clothing since November, and um, he he just got ungated this week, like super super fast. And I don't know what the issue is, but they seem to be nitpicking and nitpicking and nitpicking. And I am not a picture person. I'm not a photography person. But Blake has been trying to, like, fix these pictures for me, and we've been going back and forth. Literally, I sent in maybe 10 different emails um, from Amazon asking for different things, like, oh, the picture looks kind of fuzzy here. Oh, it looks kind of stupid there. You know, like, whatever their little commentary is. And Blake is like, I don't know what the problem is because it looks perfect to me. I'm like, yeah, it looks perfect to me too. So um, I felt really bad like contacting him again, but I don't know what to do because I've even hired um, people to do it, like the take away the background or whatever that um, service is. I am really at a loss as to what to do at this point because I just got an email tonight that said, you know, like I just said, oh, well, this one's looking a little fuzzy. So, you, so you're fine with the data portion, the flat file, but you need to fix this ASIN, and this ASIN needs to look a little bit better over here. Like, what do I do? Or is it just Amazon's way of saying, okay, we're done with you. We're going to try and just weed you out of this process. You know, are they, and I don't want to assume that, like, they have the worst out for me, right? But I'm starting to feel a little bit paranoid because this process has gone on and on and on and on. I don't know what I can do for my next step. Any thoughts? <laughs> how many? How many? Uh, so my question is: uh, so how many photos are required for the category? You have to do five list five items with parent-child listings. So it would be a total of ten pictures, but only five different pictures. Do Do you think that it might be worthwhile to, um, in a sense, start over with new photos? I've already done that twice. Wow. What kind of camera? And I, and I am getting the pictures off of uh, Amazon's own listing because I only have my iPhone. Um, and I don't actually have the products. I'm not going to go out right now. Right. I'm not going to go out and buy a bunch of products, you know, um, to to put up. And this is what I did to get the shoes. I just went and got, you know, a, pictures of shoes, put them up, and, you know, got the got the EPCs, did the flat file for that, and that worked just fine. I didn't want to go out and spend hundreds of dollars in shoes if I wasn't even really sure I wanted to sell shoes, right? Did, did you say you're getting, back up a second, just real quick here, because did you say you're getting the pictures off your phone? No, the only camera I have is on my phone. Oh, I gotcha, gotcha, okay. I've been okay. using, like, I've been, like, screenshotting, and so has Blake, too, because he's like, okay, let me look this up, and Literally, he spent so much time on this for me. I hate to tell him that it got refused again. I don't know what to do. But, but, but so wait, are you screenshotting? I know you're taking pictures of Amazon listing. Are you screenshotting or are you going on Amazon.com on a PC and saving, like, the biggest picture you can pull up on that listing? Yes. That's exactly what I'm doing. Okay. I just want to make sure you weren't just, okay. Yes. I, I don't know. I, I have I haven't gotten seen... into jewelry. Uh, I haven't attempted jewelry uh, and some of the others that require either file or, you know, these high-res, you know, perfectly, um, you know, these, these perfect uh, images. 
So, yeah, I'd be, gosh, I, now you have me second-guessing whether or not I want, to, I want to go down that road, even though I really do want to go down that road. Just well, I'm not in jewelry. I'm in jewelry. I'm in sunglasses and, you know, shoes and whatever else is in and handbags, right? So I've gotten into those. What What's going on with this? Right. I like have they flagged me somehow? I don't know if it's personal. So I was teasing Blake that they don't like blondes or they don't like their own in Seattle. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, do, you, do you know if other people are running? I mean, have you seen any groups or forums? Are people running into the same issues with clothing or no? No, and Blake just got approved this week. Are you kidding me? No. no. I mean, good for him <laughs> and Blake. Really listen yeah. to this. Great for you, like, but like, but like that's. I mean, that's crazy that, um, okay, yeah, that is weird. So what would your next step be? What would you do? Can you, have you tried to just call in? Oh, yeah, I've talked to a guy, and, of course, he was difficult to understand, but he was telling me all about Photo Bucket and how I had to use Photo Bucket and how, like, and different things about photo bucket, and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do this photo bucket thing, and it's like I've, I've fixed literally every single thing. So the last thing we did was to basically have no background because I kept saying, your background isn't white, your background isn't white, go check it this way, go check it that way. We did all that stuff. So Blake just took away all the background, and now they're saying, oh, it's fuzzy in this little corner. Oh, it's this in this little corner. It's just crazy. That is crazy. And Maybe you just wait a little. I mean, you just. I mean, I, I don't know how quick you need to get. Like, you need to get in there. Do you have product you already bought? Do you just wait like a month or two and just like I don't know. I think at a certain point they'll close the. Um, they'll, they'll close the request though. They, they won't close the they category to, to new, but they'll like she's she's got an open ticket, you know, essentially, and if she stops responding to them, I think they'll just close it out, and then she'd have to start all over again. Yeah, you have a five-day window. Okay. I, I was having a, pr- a problem just with my beauty, um, my beauty approval, which was you know just submitting receipts, and they were not accepting my one receipt for whatever reason. And I just I took another scan of it. I bought a portable scanner, scanned it. I was using my cell phone, which I have mean, like a 16 megabyte camera phone. Um, and I mean, it was very legible. I just took a better picture of it, I guess, and resubmitted it and they accepted it. So I don't know. Um, okay. So how how resistant are you? And, and given your closet full of shoes um, <laughs> and and uh, cheap lightning kits, uh, you, you you may be hesitant at this point. But you know, um, what about you know? hiring uh, someone for two or three hundred dollars and and you won't and, and here's the thing all these services that I've that I've read I don't think you pay them until you get the approval so it's essentially right. yeah it's essentially guaranteed um, you know so that's the one the one or two that I looked over their websites and I haven't tried them but my understanding is is that you don't pay them until you get the the category approval from Amazon okay Hey Erica, uh, another thing, just because I actually I'm a I came from doing jewelry. I have a jewelry website. I do jewelry stuff. Uh, I'm not approved for jewelry, but 
something to keep in mind is I think the photos on Amazon are like a thousand a thousand pixels wide, and that's not really good quality. Um, they're not good quality. So if you take that off Amazon and you start manipulating it, even if you're doing the best you can with high quality everything, you're just going to start deteriorating the quality very fast. And if you have the actual product in your possession, could you just take the photo yourself? Because an, an iPhone has a good camera. You can take great photos with an iPhone. I know. My selfies are awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to make a No, I mean, seriously, what, what kind of, what kind of phone, which iPhone do you have? Uh, 5C. Because I think that's like a 10, is that a 10 megapixel camera or no? It's at least an 8, know. which is great. Yeah, because, I mean, an 8 megapixel photo will be like 3,600 pixels wide, at least. So you'd have so much room to play with. Because what I always do with jewelry is I take the photo real big, edit it as it's real big, and then make it small. And then the quality is so great with it. You know, I'll edit it. I, I use a, a Canon Rebel to take my photos for jewelry. And at 12 megapixels are like 5,000 pixels wide. I edit them then make them 1,000 pixels wide, and they look incredible. I thought that I mean what what my plan was when I was when I was going to uh, try for at least for jewelry is to just get pictures off of Google off of Google Images and or iStock you know just and, and maybe even pay for I, I don't know how much they could possibly charge on iStock for um you know for so, for some jewelry pictures but well, I'll that, tell was you my, was, that was my idea. I could be completely you know, wrong. What I was going to do, because I am going to get my jewelry approval, is there's a, a company that I buy from, and I'll, I'll post it in the website or in our group. It's called Silver City Jewelry, and they're just a, wholesale, a wholesaler jewelry. They, are, they have the photos like of a ring, like a titanium ring, and it's huge with a white background. And it's a crisp white background. So it's like they added it already for Amazon. So I don't see why you couldn't just take their photos. I'll send you the link. And, I mean, they have rings, bracelets, necklaces, anything. Yeah, that's what, I was going to do that for watches as well, is uh, either, like I said, either go to iStock or, or Google and just try and find high-quality images of, uh, of watches and jewelry. But well, I, I wonder what their reasoning behind this big approval process is because it seems so easy to get around and half-ass for some people and then for somebody like Erica who really, you know, throw you against the wall on that. But, like, are you going to actually even ever have to take your own photo? Yeah, well, I've, I've, well, I've, I've heard this for all the categories. I mean, I, I've heard that it's just, uh, unfortunately, Eric, I think it's luck of the draw or bad luck. Yeah. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard this for every category is some people sail through, and then some people just have a really, really hard time. And it's, um, yeah, so I can take it personal because I've, I've heard this, you know, and I'm sure, you know, if you read any of the forums or Facebook groups, I mean, people are constantly... Uh, complaining about problems they're having in categories that I had no problems in. So, yeah. Well, and I've petitioned to them and said, 
look, I've had several people look over these photos. They're not seeing the same things that you are. I've paid professional people to edit these photos. Like, I've really done my due diligence in this, and it doesn't seem to matter, you know? I'm wondering if, because you've kept the same case alive, right, since November, is that correct? No, I I was so stressed out. You know, was trying to finagle getting all these shoes and how big was that I closed it and then I opened it again with the same item, but doing the corrections I had last asked for. Because um, I was applying for jewelry, shoes and handbags, and sunglasses and clothing at the same time, and I didn't realize how dumb that was. You know, right before Christmas, um, so I just let that one go, and then I just reopened it maybe like a week or two ago, and have been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So. Oh, okay. Because I, I didn't know if it was like you know, th- this case, like, stays with one group, and maybe this group is, like, just inept, you know, like, they're overseas. Not there's anything wrong with being overseas, but, like, wow. th- there's a big disconnect there, and and they just don't understand, but if you've done it a couple times, and, it, you know, the, the chance to maybe go with that new group is, the same group is not likely. Well, and, but here's the thing, is that it took me, like, three weeks the first time before I finally was, like, okay, I just, I'm under too much stress. I can't do it. You know, I got into these two other categories. I'll hit it again come January. And that's what I've done. So maybe it is worth another telephone call to them and just say, I don't know what you want. <laughs> so. Well, and I would, I mean, this is just what I do personally. Like, anytime I call somebody, call. So. Try to call so you, you you're in you know you're in Washington so you know exactly what the hours are. But call Amazon when you would be most likely to get somebody like in the states. Like call midday, <laughs> maybe in the morning. Yeah. Because those, I mean, I always try to call when I'm calling like anybody, like a health insurance company or anybody. I always try to call like first thing in the morning because those are the people that probably have the best shifts, have been in the longest, that know everything, as opposed to the people that are working there. There's nothing wrong with people who work there at 9 o'clock at night, but they just probably haven't been there as long, and mm-hmm. they don't know as much. And, you know, I don't know. That's just the, the logic. I, I know it sounds silly, but who knows? Maybe you go. And, and, you know, if they don't give you the answer you want to hear, just, I would politely ask the escalator and speak to their manager, or, you know, and just try to be as nice as possible about it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I've worked in a call center and sometimes also just calling back. So you can hang up and say, okay, well, talk to you later and call right back and you'll get another agent. Yeah. Yeah, I do that with a cable company all the time. Who's your cable provider? It was, it was Comcast, but I've completely cut the cord. Okay, I worked for DirecTV, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, just yeah, Erica. I I will I will call make a phone call tomorrow and I'll let you guys know how it goes. Yeah, good luck with that. Thanks. Patience, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, and I will not buy clothing from a liquidator. <laughs> oh, no. you've got to tell us that story at some point. That's that sounds terrible. I mean, like things to avoid. Yeah. Oh yeah, I could probably talk for three hours on things to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. In fact, I'll tell you very quickly, because um, I know it's getting late here. Um, uh, I had been very heavily involved in eBay um, before, like around 2005 to 2007. I've been very lucrative. And 
um, I had a liquidator rip me off and basically put me out of business. And so I was like done and done because she had so ripped me off and sent me fakes and I got kicked off of eBay and like my life was ruined. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think maybe I'm too trusting and I feel like I'm a pretty darn good salesman because I've been in sales for so long. And so I kind of feel like I got sold a little bit, you know, and I got ripped off and I hate, I kind of, keep the fact that I bought into their buy, you know? Well, so. I'll tell you, I've, I've gone in cause I keep, you know, folders of all of, um, you know, just different, um, Oh, uh, you know, bookmarks for all the websites that, you know, I'm kind of tracking and kind of looking for, for sourcing and things like that. And, uh, I've gone back and, and so I've had maybe, I had probably a dozen in the liquidation category. And I literally went back and deleted that entire folder. I I don't even want to look at liquidation as I don't even want to consider liquidation as a uh, as a potential um, sourcing um, you know, avenue at all, and, and and just focus on other things, wholesale, uh, even private label, you know. But liquidation is now completely off my radar screen. I won't even spend time looking at a website. Yeah, uh, I almost fell into a huge liquidation trap today that probably almost cost me a grand, almost. And uh, I was at – we've been – Leo, you and I have been back and forth yeah. about uh, liquidation grocery stores. Yeah, and but if, just, it's, if it's physical that you're there and you're actually touching the product, well, that's different. I'm talking about buying pallets and it being sent to you. Here's what yeah. I was doing. I, I'm at my favorite, one of my favorite stores that I just buy crap from and have been real profitable at, and they had Bluetooth headphones, you know, like the in-ear ones. Right. And I pick them up, and they are, uh, they're like number 18 in wireless. Like, these are incredible. They're 100 and something dollars, and they want 15 bucks. So I'm like, this is great. But I'm looking, and they're all store returns. I realize, and I go through, and I did pick out a couple, and I bought about half a dozen of them that were totally unopened, but and there was about maybe 40 of them, and I'll actually post a picture of them. When I was going through, and I was opening, like looking at the product, some of them didn't even have the right product in it. So the product was M37, and and this was like a return, like somebody bought it, put a cheap one in, and took it back to the store. Wow. genre of people, <laughs> older and uh, 
mature, and uh, so hopefully they'll work out. I mean, I've got to rely on someone, and I've got to take a chance, just like we all do in, you know, every aspect of life, and it's scary to do that with your business, but I need the help. I can't do it otherwise. So. And you got to clean out that go. room. Yeah. Yeah. Or or my bedroom, as the case may be. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so. So, anyway. so, real quick, I mean, Erica, you're hiring people, which, you know, you obviously have to um, because of the situation you're in. But, you know, I know we kind of talked about when wanting to, some of us, and myself included, talked about hiring, you know, VAs or, or folks outside of physical help, I guess, to mm-hmm. help with the business. I mean, I know Ben and I have talked quite a bit on this, and it's definitely something I want to do, and I realize I just need to kind of start with doing small pro- posting small projects on site like, sites like Odesk. But has anybody done that or thought about that or have any feedback on that? Well, I don't know how I – like if I needed to have my eBay listing posted, for example – and, and I, you realize this is kind of unique to eBay, or, or even FBA, if you need to create a, a listing for an item that's not already on FBA, you know, I may as well do it myself if I have to get all that information to them, right? So, and that's maybe just from a listing perspective, but um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Now, how would you use them? You know, like what specifically would you use them to do? Yeah, no, that's it. No, you're you're exactly right because you you're you it, at some point you're spending so much time training somebody to do something and showing how to do something you could just do it yourself right, at that same time. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I think I would use a VA more for sourcing and reviewing lists and um, sites and kind of creating a buy list for me. Um, so I do what I love online arbitrage. I mean, it's it's great just to get all those boxes at your house every day and. Um, and not have to spend the time. Not, I don't like going to stores, but I think the time is just a little more efficient. So if I can have somebody else working for me, I feel like I don't have enough time, you know, especially the full-time job. Like time's my biggest, you know, my, my biggest asset. And and I I just I don't know. I just feel like I could get a lot more done or, or buy a lot more products and not have to worry about that aspect and focus more on the shipping and processing and having you know a few sources where the the VA could run the numbers like through a, you know, I know Ben was mentioning that if you check out the FBA toolkit and that price analyzer, you can upload like a CSV file, which is like an Excel file, you know, basic Excel file and of UPCs and prices and it'll spit out corresponding, um, you know, uh, uh, profit margins for all these Amazon products. So you could do a lot with that right there. Um, so that, I don't know, that's what I've just kind of thought about using it for. I, with um, As far as VAs go and stuff, I come with doing my jewelry thing. I made a website and I did a lot of SEO and search engine stuff. And what I found, I've used VAs for that before, and what I found is that they're more effective for long-term things. Where I mean, you can hire somebody in India or like the Philippines for like $1.35 an hour, and I mean, you could hire somebody full time for like fifty bucks a week. I mean, it's not expensive. So the thing is, is that if you're doing a repetitive task, like you were saying about a buy list, that's something that you want done every day for as long as you're doing FBA. So if you spend a few days or weeks training somebody to do that, and you're going to get it out of them every day for years, then then it's worth it. You know, versus like making a listing. Because keep you know, then 
it's like more your baby to make a listing, you know? Yeah, and I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the the reason I was looking at VAs or wanted to talk about it, and maybe we should uh, kind of uh, postpone it to uh, you know our next call uh, or have just a call that that strictly is about that. If there are enough of us that that want to discuss it, but I, I know that we we there was also a post on on our group about uh, maybe collectively hiring some VAs for sourcing, for, for online sourcing, uh, exclusively for us. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I was, um, that's what I've been sort of considering now. You know, Ryan, you know I've joined a couple of, of, um, of online sourcing groups, uh, you know, m- monthly subscriptions, um, you know, in the interim. But, um, but I really like the idea of hiring a VA, you know, not the least of which, you know, based on what Chris just said, you know, that I've discovered that, you know, you could pay someone two, three, four dollars at the at the absolute most uh, to do exactly what uh, to, to gain the exact same information that ends up on these lists that are shared with 25 or 60 or, you know, in some cases, you know, you know, 100, 100 people or more. So, um that's what I was looking at is just getting a really – I was also listening or talking to someone who um, who has a very, very strict set of criteria for his VA in the Philippines. Uh, he actually has four, and uh, he, gets, he only gets about eight products um, uh, a day from each of them. So, you know, just not many. Because, because hmm. his criteria are extremely strict in terms of ROI, in terms of number of FBA sellers, and uh, another another criteria that he has is he doesn't want anything that's uh, forget about clearance. Um, he doesn't even want things that are on sale. He tells his VA even if an item on a website, you know whether it's Target or Walmart, is on sale, I don't want it because I always want to go back to a regularly priced item. And be able to replenish, um, you know, my inventory on Amazon uh, using online sourcing. So he has very, very strict criteria, um, but he's he's playing a long game, and he gets very few products. But I mean, imagine they these are products that, you know, only go to him with you know incredibly uh, potentially lucrative um, ROIs that um, that he never has to worry about. Well, is Target going to put it on sale again? Because he's willing to pay full price uh, for it uh, because he knows the markup is there. So what's uh, just that, that sounds like a, a great place to be, right? I mean, if he's getting eight products a day. He actually may only be buying half of those, so he may be buying four a day. But I mean, four new products a day, that and, and you know something you can replenish. That's that I mean that, that can only be good things, um, I would assume. And you know, how long has he been doing it? Has it seen you know, um, success from it? Four months. Okay. Yeah. He has four different VAs though doing it? Yeah, yeah, he has four VAs doing it. See and, and that's maybe the part I don't I mean I know I've I've done I've had you know, a long time ago small stuff done on Odesk a long time ago, but a year or so ago. You know, how much is he paying? Like four people really cheaply? Is he paying 
for good wages, you know, four, what he's, is he's that? Paying, he's paying four. He's paying four bucks an hour to each of them. And how many hours they're working a night? Do you know? I mean, it's you know eight, eight hours a day. Yeah, it's so a lot. Four, it's, a, yeah. it's 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 a lot. But again, his criteria are so. I mean, he, he's taking the opposite extreme. You know, where ours, you know, the typical uh, online arbitrage. Um, you know, kind of scenario or strategy is, you know, kind of you know somewhat slimmer margins, but you know, kind of picking, you know, but you get a lot of of, of options. You know, he takes the absolute um, diametrically opposed strategy and goes for you know very very few items that uh, are very hard to find, but. Four people working eight hours a day each, and he pays them obviously more than most. Uh, you know, get paid. Um, you know, he like I said, it's just it's just that, that's his kind of unique strategy, um, and and one that's quite frankly kind of appealing because you're not competing against so many other people. What I've found, and I've done, I'm back on the warpath to get my system up and working and I shared my I tried to use iMacros and there was some talk earlier about somebody having a working prototype. Who was that? I thought that was Ben. I think it's Ben. Oh, yeah, that, that was Ben. Okay, yeah. So Ben's off. So the way that it came to me, like when my system did work but it didn't work very well consistently, was what I was able to get was the price on I was using Walgreens dot com because I like Walgreens dot com. Their price the Amazon price, the sales price, the number of FBA sellers. And the thing is, is once you get that, then it's just a simple Excel spreadsheet and some Excel, you know, algorithms to get, you know, I was expecting to get, like, what I wanted to do was get, like, 10,000 items a day and then just cut them down to, like, maybe five. Like, that's what I think is profitable also. But you, but you're going to use a computer program to do that because that's a lot of work. Just of course, you need to personally go through, right? That's what you're saying. But the thing is, is if these VAs are making one item, or you know, maybe two or three items a day that they're finding, how many items are they looking at to find those two or three items? Gosh. Oh, well, yeah, yeah and that's sort of things you can use things like you know that FBA toolkit, the price analyzer. That's free. I think the basic. Let you do 100 products a day. I think you can ask for an increase because Ben was using that, and he's like, he can do 10,000 items per day, and he can upload. So I mean, if a VA can pull off, you know, scrape, um, you know, either scrape or I guess manually scraping would be more efficient. Scrape the UPC and the price, then that stuff can automatically put through FBA toolkit. And I mean, like you said, Chris, Excel, you can just use filters. And knock a lot of that stuff down. I mean, your sales rank and and all that stuff. I'm, get exactly I'm, what you want. I'm back on trying to get that done, and I love the idea of using a VA or something like that to do online arbitrage. But I mean, honestly, I think that you would almost need like an army of VAs. You'd have to train them, and I, I just I don't see that they're doing anything that a computer can't do. Right. Right. Well, yeah. your I mean, your your theory is just you know huge funnel, and you know, but put um, you know put your 
put your criteria in, you know, various algorithms and and within the program itself, and then it spits out, you know, what the VA would spit out having to do it manually. Um, well, here's the thing, you know, Leo, you and I are different sellers, you know, so you know, and Eric is a different. We're all, you know, we're all different sellers, so. You know, if you look at, like, just the health and beauty category on Walgreens, it's 7,500 items in one category. So if you're looking at Walgreens.com, Rite Aid, you know, the top 10 biggest online sellers, you, you, might, you might really be talking about a million products easily. And, you know, at that point, if you can scrape something, because if they update their prices, let's say they all update their prices Saturday at midnight, then everybody's VA is going to be looking there. Everybody that's read the first three chapters of online arbitrage is going to be looking. <laughs> but if you can be scraping, and I mean, a good I, I've done scraping before for website authoritative links. And you can, if scraping is set up, and this is what I'm trying to get done and get somebody in to help me with this, and they're going to be somebody that's going to be paid like 60 bucks an hour. Um, but the thing is, is that if you can do that scraping right, you could be scraping like 10,000 pages a minute. Right. So like you could scrape through a list of a million sites. Well, a million sites would take you about 1,000 minutes, which I don't know how long that is exactly. But, you know, it's not, you know, it's not too long. But it's a day, less than a day. Yeah, but it's also not you sitting at a computer with the computer just running there, you know. So, uh, you know, that's that's the thing. For 16 hours. Yeah, so, it, you know, it's a computer algorithm running for 16 hours. You get a huge CSV file or a group of CSV files, and then you run them through some Excel filters, and you're left with, from a million products, you might get 100 that are worth your while. And the thing is, is that what I consider worth my while is very different from anybody else's, you know, possibly. You know, it's pretty easy not to compete, even on a large list. Or well, yeah, list. And, and that's the thing where, you know, I know, uh, Leo, you might have mentioned it, somebody else had mentioned about sharing, you know, VAs, and I've been mentioned it. Part of me, too, in addition to, like, yeah, we all are different businesses, we all look for different stuff. I don't know, part of me, because I know you guys, I, I I feel like slimy in a way, not not towards each other, but like, I don't know, it just feels weird to me, slimy is right, not the right word, it feels weird to me, like a few of us all selling the same item. Um, and, and and there's obviously, you know, you know not, not that we'd be collude, you know, colluding on price and trying to, you know, artificially maintain a, a unfair price for the market, which is illegal, obviously. But, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I It's something I don't just want to do. I don't know. Maybe this is our personal preference. Well, maybe there's nothing wrong if we figure out, you know, what a VA can do and then how to train the VA and then share that so that we take that to our own VAs and go from there. Yeah, that's you know true. What I mean? That's true, yeah. Or at least try it with a couple VAs to find out if it even works. You know, obviously it works because people are doing it, but does it really work? Yeah. Because I find there's a lot of people out there. I think that who's the lady that does liquidation gold mine? Uh, Jessica Larue. Jessica Larue. I I just don't like her product. <laughs> like, 
girlfriend, my girlfriend's a teacher. Well, she's almost a teacher, and I've had her sit down and read, read Liquidation Goldmine. She's like, well, firstly, it's poorly written, and second of all, most of the stuff is just common sense, and yeah. there leaves so much to be desired on how to even find the liquidation stores. Yeah. I think me and Leo have had a long conversation yeah, about yeah. just what to Google. And if you just Google, and I'll tell you another place thing, Leo, and if anybody's looking for a liquidation store, go on Yelp and look up the reviews for the liquidation stores. And then look at other stores that those people that have reviewed it have reviewed. Actually mm. found a few places that way. Do, do you know what I'm huh. saying? Because yeah. there are people that I guess just really like to uh, review discount grocery stores. Like that's their thing. And I found a few of <laughs> them. Oh, uh, that's funny. I didn't know how many um, thrift stores were in Tallahassee until uh, I actually just started looking, and uh, suddenly I've I've not gone into any of them. But it's like a half a dozen on just one street. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leo, have you looked at the Sean Mayo thing with where he goes? Uh, no. Is, is he the one that has the grocery Facebook group? Okay, so I was a member, but I, you know, I, I started. Uh, I realized I was like a member of, you know, almost two dozen Facebook groups. So I've had to like call <laughs> down to a more manageable. Uh, and and he's one of the ones. Or that that group is one of the ones that I dropped off from. Okay, I mean, he just. Um, I think he's in Tampa. I know Tallahassee. That's not close at all. That's right? it's like a four. It's like a four-hour drive. It might be worth making that four-hour drive the way he's yeah. doing stuff. Yeah, you know? like rent a uh, yeah rent a U-Haul or something. You know, were you and I talking about, um, or were you talking about the potential wanting to like rent or buy a trailer or something for FBA? For yeah, I would do that for for liquidation. You know, when I was thinking of liquidation, is is um, then then going to Jacksonville or something like that and actually seeing the product. Um, but so it so it, if I can see it, if I can put my eyes on it, it you know definitely something that I'd still be interested in. Yeah. Well, I've I've, I've thought about you know I, there's actually some liquidation stores and you know I'm in suburban Chicago and uh, there's some in the city there's some liquidation stores that I want to check out and I've actually thought about you know cause I think I think one of them has a thousand dollar minimum um, hmm. uh, to buy and you have to be like a business you have to show like it's just gonna resale which is fine you know I have all that now but. Um, you know, I thought about maybe I get a small U-Haul um, because, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to, to try to fit all that in my car. Yeah, yeah. If I lived no, in I Miami, knew, I know for sure I could, I could do just liquidation because Miami is just filled with South Florida in general. But I mean, I've seen, um, I've seen them in Miami. Um, I've seen their websites. I've seen the videos of what they get, and you know these are just massive warehouses. They get all the returns and um, shelf pulls and the rest. But at least you can physically touch and and see these products, and um, you know and buy them that way. But you know it's just just too far for me, um, you know, to, to load up a truck necessarily to to, to do that. And and I think I and, and I I do like the online. Part of it as well. I mean, going back to the VAs and what I know, what Ryan, what you do uh, already, and and what why I've signed up for these lists is I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue the 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 online 
um, arbitrage, you know, while I'm really focusing on uh, wholesale and then also looking at getting my own VAs for, for online arbitrage where I can just exclusively get, you know, products that, you know, I really will limit the competition. Hey, Erica, I think you were trying to say something. Yeah, sorry, Erica. Um, I had considered going down, when I saw how they did all these auctions and these huge warehouses in L.A., since I'm on the West Coast, um, I considered flying down to get pallets that I would have help on, obviously, and um, like rent a truck and then go process, process it somewhere and ship it out like FBA from wherever I you know, was staying or processing the stuff. And the guy was really honest with me, and he said, you know what, for what you're doing, you this is not the stuff you want. But then he went and sold me all these, like, customer returns that are falling apart, you know, you know, in the same phone call. So um, I appreciated his honesty with, with saying, you know, don't come down and try and think that you're going to get these, you know, really cheap pallets. But I'll tell you, a pallet wouldn't even fit in my car. It was so much stuff. Oh, yeah. I hired somebody to take it in. Like, a pallet wouldn't even fit in your car. So you would need to, unless you have a trailer, you would need to get one. My my thought on this thing with like online arbitrage is like I'm doing so well with liquidation groceries. Like I, I went today and I picked up like this root beer stuff. It's like root beer flavoring. I pay three bucks for it and it's like twelve dollars. So it's like it's a four times markup and it sells real fast and I keep finding these things. And I, I'm just wondering with going I'd have to do some numbers. Because when I'm looking at like what people consider a good ROI on online arbitrage, I'm like, I wouldn't even touch that. Like, I wouldn't bother putting that in my cart if I saw mm-hmm. that in the store. And people are like, oh, that's great. And I'm like, I don't think so. I, I mean, is there well, any input well, on that? What's the, I mean, what's the markup that you usually... I guess I guess we'll use ROI. I mean, let's make sure we use whatever, but let's use the same... Yeah, so basically I want to try to figure something that when I look at Camel, uh, look at the Camel site, that I think that I will sell it within a month. So that's two pay periods. Um, I look at it that way, and I want to at least double my money. However, I will go deep on a product if I can do four to five times on my money. And there are products that I'm buying that I'm like 50 cents to sell for 20. I mean, I'm I'm finding them. Not a lot, but yeah. they are there. Yeah. You know, I I bought ketchup um, mix, and it's like this stuff to make ketchup. You add a bunch of stuff to it, put it in a jar, shake it up, you got ketchup. I almost overlooked it, but it was sixty cents for six packets. Six packets is thirty dollars. Wow. That was real well. <laughs> so. You know, it's it's tough for me to like like when I'm getting that kind of stuff. Now, I mean those those deals are of course few and far between. I'm saying that that's not my norm, or else I'd be like a millionaire within a month. Um, but the thing is, is that it's not too far out of my norm. That you know, I am almost always doubling my money on a sale. Okay, yeah, because I mean, all in arbitrage. I mean, there are items I, I double, but I, I don't. Know, it's my I, I was you know. I re- I set my repricer at fifty percent, so I probably average about seventy five percent to be honest with you ROI. 
Um, so, so you know. When we were talking about the inventory lab thing, my total – so I have gotten – if I stopped doing online – or if I stopped Amazon today, I would break even. Like, the if I got no money ever, like, the like I've gotten all my money back out. And I have $10,000 in inventory sitting at Amazon, and I've been doing this for, like, two and a half months. So if all my stuff sold, I'd make ten grand for two and a half months' work, which isn't bad. Um, so the point that I'm making is, is like, that's a pretty, um, spectacular or a, a pretty great, um, growth rate for a business. Like yeah. that, that's if, if I, if I was a store, I mean, that would be unheard of. But the thing is, is like, if you're doing an ROI were to have $10,000 in inventory, my, my buy cost on that $10,000 of inventory is about $1,500. So, yeah. you know, it's real high markup stuff. Like, that's an eight, almost an eight times markup. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, if it was online arbitrage, I'd probably have six grand tied up in that $10,000. So I'm just, I'm wondering if it's even really worth it. It's just just where I'm coming from. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's the beauty. It's the beauty of of all the different business models. I mean, uh, I, maybe you were mentioning it before, or someone else was. Uh, whoever that bookseller is, you know, two three million dollars a year in books. But but those are all long tail items. You know, he he buys them for pennies on the dollar, and he and they just sit in the warehouse, and they'll eventually sell. I mean, I've sold a book that I paid a dollar for. For over a hundred dollars, you know it's crazy. But yeah. you know if you ha- if you have enough volume, if you have enough inventory of books, you can do. You know you can you can generate millions of dollars. Yeah, I, I I think probably the answer to the question that I'm raising is that it's the best course of action if you want to have this be a real business is to do all of it. You know I'm just starting to get into books. Um, bought some kid books, kids books today. I'm doing health and beauty, doing the beauty, uh, and food and everything. But, uh, you know, online arbitrage, I think is just a way to get more inventory, you know, because today I had to stop selling because there was a blizzard or mm. stop buying because there was a blizzard I had to come home, <laughs> yeah. but the internet doesn't go out usually. Right. <laughs> And are you guys using when you do online arbitrage? Are you using something like Cardpool. dot com, where you get the discounted uh, gift cards? You know, I've never um, used Cardpool. I've actually sold personally the gift cards I've gotten that I don't want on Cardpool. Uh, but I, I haven't used them because I primarily buy from uh, I, I, well, retail is a lot of Target, and I have a Target Red card debit card. I use just mm-hmm. my FBA business, you know, that's 5% off. And I feel like the card pool thing from, like, an accounting standpoint, first of all, the accounting standpoint, and from a um, kind of like a cash flow standpoint could be kind of a nightmare because, I don't know, if I'm going to spend a couple hundred dollars in gift cards, like, I may not have something to buy from Home Depot for, like, a week or two. and But I've already laid out the 200 bucks for that gift card and... I don't know. I have to use it all. I don't know. I think it's more of a pain. I guess it is just, you know, it, it is boosting your profits, but I just haven't seen the value in it yet. I, I, I agree with you 100%, Brian. I, I did it once, and and then I kind of thought about, all right, if I extrapolate this, 
what would it actually look like? And I, and, and I just came to the conclusion, okay, I'm not doing this ever again. Yeah. For, for exactly what you mean, just the cash flow and the accounting uh, of it is just way, way too complicated. And so I'd rather focus on, you know, if it's online stuff, you know, Ebates and Mr. Rebate and all of that and use your credit cards and get really, really good credit cards that have, you know, really good rewards programs. And, um, and that's what I've done. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And do you guys, when you get, like, I use my PayPal card and I get 1% back. Do you, so that and then the Ebates, you know, they send you out a check every quarter. Do you just count that as a bonus for yourself or do you put that back into the business? somehow do you count it as a profit how do you handle that i would put the ebates um back into my cash flow but the points from my credit cards that's all for me <laughs> that's that's my bonus that's what i reward myself with with you know going you know looking down the this year is for trips and and uh, upgrades and you know yeah. that's that's how i'm going to reward myself now, okay. now, Leah, you you mentioned your Ebates. Do you factor that into your buy cost? So if it's a, if it's you know four percent or five percent, let's say, at a store, do you take five percent out of your buy cost when you calculate your buy cost? I have, I have not. Uh, okay. Up to this All point. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's, I, I I agree. That's the way to do it because I hear people that actually factor that in, and that's a nightmare too. Because number one, that's cash that you're you know. In the very least, will come in like three months later. Number two is not every. If you know from eBay, it's not every site. Um, uh, it goes through like you may click it. It doesn't actually work. Yeah. Um, so I actually signed up. Matt posted that that Dubly, oh. um, hmm. that Dubly browser extension, which I looked up Dubly, and they've actually got some like they have a whole other like part of their business, which is kind of like multi-level marketing. You can sign people up, but that part seemed kind of sketchy. I mustn't sign up, but I signed up to that to, to browser toolbar that you was mentioning because I do so much online arbitrage. I paid a hundred bucks, uh, but I've already got from two purchases last night twenty bucks pending back. Um, and so as long as I get the money back, it, it'll be definitely be worth it because, like, I think Walmart was like eight percent or nine percent last night. So, um, yeah, yeah. Normally, okay. Ebates for them is like two or three percent. Right, right, and that's what was so good. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Hopefully it pans out, right? When I've seen that, I've actually seen um, in other groups, not in this group, people that have bought stuff for an even flip on Amazon just for the Ebates. Are you serious? Yeah. And I'm, like, looking at that, I'm like, do you realize that you have to pay to ship that to Amazon? (laughs) Right. Like and just the work, and just and just the physical work involved. I mean, you're paying yourself. If, if, it's like paying yourself less than minimum wage. If somebody calculated it out and said, <laughs> "Hey, if the price of this item fluctuates one percent, you will lose money." Right. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing. Sometimes I'm amazed. Maybe it's this last call. I'm amazed when some of these people post in these slipping groups. And I run the numbers. It's just like, I mean, I honestly stopped paying attention to, like, the flipping ATM was that one. I think a bunch of us were on Facebook. I stopped paying attention to those because I felt like, you know, everything was like, well, 
you know, do I, do I buy, you know, buy a bunch of these and wait for the price to go up? Like, you don't wait for the price to go up. You, it's either yeah. a good deal now or it's not a good deal. I mean, it's, you, it's, it's, you know what's so funny is I, it's so many people say to me when I'm like, yeah, this is a great thing, and I'll tell people about it. And they're like, well, aren't you worried that like other people are going to start doing it and you won't buy good, find good stuff? I'm like, no. Because people are really bad at this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you have to be really good at math to do this. Like, not really, <laughs> but you have to use an app. Well, you have to be able to like look at something and say, "Hey, the net proceeds are twenty dollars, and this is nineteen forty-five. That's not a good." Deal. <laughs> and, and the problem is, is that there's so many people that are eager. And I've been there, like you know, when I in my early days of doing online business, I was so eager to get that sale that I might have been like, eh, whatever, I'll profit five bucks on this product. I'll put down twenty dollars to make five bucks. It's five bucks. But now I'm like, oh no, I won't do that, you know. And and they operate at such low margins that I think that there's a lot of people that are losing a lot of money on FBA. Yeah. Than making. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. I, agree. I think people are are posting these things that some of us are just like, oh, you're embarrassing yourself. Why? <laughs> or or the groups where they're asking, you know, should I buy this? Like, I wouldn't mind if you know everyone in our group did that because we all seem like, you know, we premature on the ball, right? But in these other groups where they're asking, should I buy this? How many should I buy? And it's just mind-boggling to me. Like, if you can't figure half of that out, then you shouldn't even be in a store with a scanner and a professional FBA account, you know? So, yeah, I think oh, there's a lot of people yeah. not making money right now. Hey, real quick, if you guys want, do want a bolo, just go to TJ Maxx. Just go to the store. Yeah. Be there, look at food. I cleaned up on coffee, bottled water. They had cooking things like pots and pans they were like i bought like a 250 dollar fondue set for 40 bucks wow mm-hmm. they're cur- they yeah go ahead their curling irons are really cheap right now too i've got yeah. some um really inexpensive curling irons that i'm going to be able to flip for pretty good money so yeah i would agree with you i was just there this week uh, yeah chris, I, chris do you have home i mean same company right do you have home goods there as well i mean they're I cheap do. My home goods isn't as good. The other day, I actually went to TJ Maxx and then went to Home Goods, and I was at TJ Maxx and I spent like three hundred bucks, and I went to Home Goods and spent like eight bucks. Okay, because I, I I was at home. I, I found a few great items at Home Goods before, like when I first started scouting them, and then like since then it's been like nothing. And I was actually went another one today. It was right next to a Target, which I love. Um, and, and I went in there and I'm like. I found a few items, but they were less than 50% ROI, almost like 40%. And I was like, ah, I was almost bought them just to get them, but I was like, this doesn't fit them. I what I'm looking at. So, I mean, they have a ton of food always at Home Goods as well, but I've I've never, there's not enough, at least the Home Goods, I don't know if TJ Maxx is like this, but there's only usually like three or four or five of an item on a shelf. And I almost feel like I'm getting to the point too where, you know, Outside of like, I don't know, I, I want to try to get at least like five of an item or ten of an item if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy them. And I bought a toy at Target today that I bought ten of them, um, and they were eight bucks a piece. I was thinking about it because it, it made sense, right? Um, yeah. I feel like I feel like listing it is just worth your time to just get a bunch well, of yeah. 
Yeah, because the listing takes time. If you can distribute the time over ten items versus one item, yeah. Right, right. Okay. Well, I'll, check, I'll check out TG Max again then. I, I bought these Voss bottled waters, and it was a joke because I picked them up. They're like six bucks in the store. They're thirty-five dollars. Oh my! God. And I bought well, seventeen of them well, from three different stores over like five different trips. Yeah. And and look for them. They're Voss bottled waters. I have sold all of them today. They I just had twelve hit the um, hit my fact hit the warehouse, and I sold like eight of them. In the so wait, these are these, these are water. These are bottles you put water in, or these are bottled? No. This is actually bottled water. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm dead serious. This is bottled water. Jeez. I'm buying a four pack of bottled water for six bucks, and it's like thirty dollars. Wow. Yeah, and now here's what it is. Um, it it sounds real stupid, but it's it is the bottles. People like buy them, and they're like, yeah, the water's okay, but the bottles are really good. And I've actually <laughs> one of the cases I bought, um, I bought because the box was funky, and I was like, well, let me see how good these bottles are. And they're actually really good bottles. They fit real nice in your bottle, your cup holder of your car. But still, thirty dollars for four bottles of water. I mean, right. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that. It's kind of a running joke with me and the girlfriend because we're like, well, let's see what a $30 bottle of water tastes like, you know? Yeah. Tasted That's like great. tap water. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Kona Coffee, they sell Kona Coffee there, which is really good. Um, and um, also, like, they sell this stuff that's like wine accessories. And these corks that they had, I actually picked up some for like 3 bucks that were like $30 corks. And, you know, just go through it because most of it's garbage, but you'll find some good stuff. Yeah. I bought huh. pickled eggs there. <laughs> like jars of pickled eggs. They'll wow. sell real well. Yeah. Yeah, they actually, yeah, they have crazy food there. I buy I, I buy tons of food there and resell it real fast. It does real well. Because this huh. is pretty much like gourmet kind of food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and international food. stuff. I mean, stuff that you really can't find at, you know, even, you know, even at, um, you know, Whole Foods or something like that. But also, <laughs> um, I bought some soy powder at mine, and it was it was actually it was a triple digit rank sales rank in health and beauty. So uh, you know, it, wow. It, like instantly, so right. you know the return on investment wasn't that great on it. But I mean, I sold it within a day, so you know I'm not too worried about it. Crazy. All right. Max has been a honey hole for me continuously. All right, guys. Um, uh, I'm probably getting near my. Yeah. Uh, I I I planned on shipping tonight, but uh, it's already one o'clock <laughs> here, and I'm like, ah, let me just go to bed. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna get off. You guys are welcome to stay on. Um, uh, but I'm I think I'm gonna take off. So. No, I'm got a kid you. to put to bed. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. It was so much thanks. fun hearing your voices, and I look forward to our next call. This is yeah, no, definitely. Good. Thanks for thanks, Erica, for all your insight too. You've been great, and. Uh, yeah. yeah, guys, stay uh, stay warm out there. I know, I know, you, you know, Leo, you're in Florida, and I know Chris is in a blizzard today. It's currently I just pulled up uh, weather weather underground here. The temperature here where I'm at is now negative five point four degrees. The oh. temperature 
the wind chill is negative 15. Um, so yeah. they actually canceled school yesterday, uh, today and tomorrow now because of the cold weather. So, wow. Well, I actually cold. live in, I mean, uh, it's going to get down into the 20s, I think. Uh, oh, wow. Or, or close to the 20s here. But, yeah, I mean, North Florida is, we, we get those... Um, we get those frosts that uh, you know when they make their way across the country because we're we're pretty far north, but but no snow thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. if I could give you a fog index on Seattle, it would be very right. high right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thank all right, you guys. All. Have, have a good, good night. night. Thanks again. Take care. Yep. You guys have a great night. Thanks, Bye-bye. guys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.